My name is James Rowlands, and in 2015, I started a WNR podcast with my friend, Dan Mike. And every month, we bring you the latest collections, newest content, 205 Live, and the crown jewel of the WNR NXT update. Also, each month, the latest pay-per-views, and we are live, not only for the big four, but every takeover as well. Plus, in 2019, we go back 20 years and witness the attitude rise and the WCW's demise. Until we've watched everything, we're with you and we we are the WNR. Yes, hello, I am James Rowlands, and as always, I'm joined by... Dan White. And today it's a WNR227, it's a WWE Network Review for June. But before we do anything, let's start with the alternate intro. And happiness can be found even in the darkest of times if one only remembers to turn on the light. That's J.K. Rowland from Harry Potter and the Prisoner of Azkaban. We review the latest content on the WWE Network, including new series and programmes, including 205 Live. All the latest news, and we have the fallout from NXT TakeOver 25. Finally, for the first time ever, NXT UK main events, the WNR, with Pete Dunne versus Walter for the NXT UK Championship. Uh, and I cannot wait for that match. It is going to be awesome. So let's get started, and we move on to new content. And the very first one was WWE Chronicle Ali, May 18th, 2019. Yes, and you get an inside look into Ali's Muslim faith, his climb back to the world title picture, and his career aspirations as a WWE superstar. Yeah, and it was 35 minutes long and just a couple of highlights. Ali finding out, uh, watching TV in the back, that he's in the Money in the Bank match. You can actually see him get quite emotional. This is his second chance. Of course, Ali got injured and Kofi took his spot. Yes, and he questions where he would be now if he hadn't have been injured. I mean, where do you think he would have been? Do you think he would have beaten Brian at Mania? I don't know. I, I'm not quite sure. I don't think so. But, you know, stranger things have happened in WWE. But I think Kofi kind of deserved where he, where he's at now. Without a doubt, you know. And I think it's weird that we, we see Kofi as champion. Maybe it could have been Ali. But Kofi actually rang Ali and said to him, like, uh, look, I, I, I took your spot. I'm going to try and make you proud. And Ali just kind of heaped loads of praise on Kofi. Like, he's the nicest guy in the locker room, basically. And to him. Started wrestling for a Chicago company called Dreamwave which he visited and helped train the younger guys. Yeah. And it really is breaking down barriers when you think about it. He didn't want to be a hill, and then, of course, 9-11 happened, and at school people were saying, your people did this. And just imagine, talk about kind of deep shit of, like, how is a kid like that, after something horrible that happened, going to be able to defend himself, you know? Uh, he wrestled as a heel until a young kid tried to fight him due to fear. Yeah, he was in, a little kid was in the crowd and he just looked at him and he was just so scared. And Ali said, this is not worth it. It really isn't, you know. And Ali said after seeing that kid that there was no way he's going to go doing the heel thing. And I mean, opinion, Ali is the perfect opportunity to show Muslims as, as not the same as terrorists. Do you know what I mean? It is, it's fantastic that. 
Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I mean, not speaking to races, but the young kids for the future, so they don't see a difference. You know, you don't treat Ali any different. He's not coming out with kind of you know towel over his head, stereotypical kind of what they do, like Mohammed Hassan. He, he's actually a character that the fans can get behind and be a babyface. You know. Indeed, yeah. Uh, he speaks about being in the police force as well. Yeah, which was surprising, but you know, Ali said he did enjoy it. He said Brett and Jeff Hardy was his favourite wrestlers uh, growing up. Uh, he spends some time. Well, he spends a lot of time with his kids and wife as yeah. well. So, he's, you know, he's a real family man, which is what you like to see in a wrestler. Yeah, without a doubt. And he has a workout with Seamus. And Seamus' workouts on YouTube are actually becoming quite popular now. And Ali goes through his and Seamus said it's one of the toughest ones he's ever done. And it's quite weird because Seamus is quite a big man, isn't he? You know, Big man. And uh, you've got Ali, he's quite a small guy. It's quite cool to see them working out together. Uh, he also talks about Ramadan, you know, uh, all his fasting and that. He can't eat until the sun goes mm. down, etc. And it's... You know, it, it must be quite a trying thing being a wrestler and having to do the fasting because wrestlers, they consume a lot of calories yeah. and, you know, it is quite a difficult time for him, I suppose. Yeah, without a doubt. And, you know, you get to see the kind of inside look at him. And uh, there's, there's something likeable and real about Ali, you know, but you just see it. And he says, you know, a couple of big moments, like being in Money in the Bank was a great moment for him. And another great moment is a clip that we're just about to watch now. This is just a week before Money in the Bank. So, yeah, a week before Money in the Bank and Ali is getting ready. But where are they, Dan? Uh, they're at the O2 in London. It was on the 14th of May. And it, that date and place rings rings a bell yeah, to I me. Yeah, I don't know why. Why weren't we, weren't we, weren't we doing something that day? I or think something? we might have been in that crowd yeah. Yeah. Oh, yes, that event happen. Yeah. Uh, and Ali's just saying like what it means to him seeing the ladders prepared. You know, it's even a week before, and he knows how big money in the bank is. And he's talking about his vest and his entrance as well. And it's just it's like about him, isn't it, Dan? You know? Yeah, he's uh, he's definitely a real character, and you know, he's someone that you can get behind. We absolutely adored him in Two Hundred Five Live, and making a jump up to the main roster as well. It's you know, it's brilliant for Ali. Yeah, and what I like about this as well is that you get to see kind of what he's all about in Chronicle. Plus the Money in the Bank story. And of course, you think he lost the match. But in actual fact, you know, getting to the top of the ladder before Lesnar was to come out. So it actually kind of tells the story there as well. So, he's, you know, even though he seems to be losing at the moment, he's still a winner in my heart. <laughs> that is so cheesy. Yeah. All right, we'll move on. And up next, it's May 19th. It is WWE 24, Becky Lynch, the man. And you witness the rise of the man, Becky Lynch, from her Irish wrestling days to competing in WrestleMania's first all-women's main event. Yeah, it's very similar to a Chronicle, but it does make sense. Like Stone Cold Steve Austin back in the day with the amount of videos and DVDs he had. With Lynch, you just want the amount of product that you can see her in. Uh, she returns to Dublin and her dad is talking ahead. And her mum's not too bad, Dan. No, and James, her brother looks a lot like Mark Tardis. So, as we know, Becky grew up wanting to be in wrestling, and at 15, she did start. Yes, four years later, she was injured in a match in Germany. And then her mum forced her to stop due to the injury, and then she she was away for seven years. And then when she decided to come back, it was the first day of the Performance Centre. And this is her first NXT appearance, and it's June 26th, 2014. Let's see if the man has changed that much from her NXT debut. Becky Lynch with a river dance coming out. She's gone from river dancing to being the man. Yeah, it's crazy what you can actually accomplish in a career. Uh, but so much about Lynch's career in this one, and of course on the main roster with PCB, and I've forgotten about them. PCB, that's when they made, because you had Team Bad, Beautiful and Dangerous, you had Paige, Charlotte and Becky... 
Um, and you had the Bellas as well. I think they had Alicia. So, but I'd completely forgotten about it at that time. We get all the ups and downs for Mera Korea, of course. Uh, she was the first SmackDown Women's Champion. I'm sure. I'm sure someone predicted that yes, in their, in their predictions. But you well, know, how about this then? We all know she main event at WrestleMania 35. But at WrestleMania 34, she was in the pre-show Battle Royal, getting eliminated very early on. So, how many people have done that from pre-show to main event in one year? Yes, and then you see the heel turn on Charlotte leading to the man. Yeah, and one that was impressional wrestling, though. Do you know what I mean? When she finally turned and you get the yes chance at SummerSlam uh, and building all up towards Survivor Series with Ronda Rousey and, of course, the Nia Jax punch. But it's kind of that punch helped make her as well. I mean, I don't think she would have been the man without it. Exactly. That visual of her in the crowd with the bloody face saying, bring it on to Ronda Rousey. Like that very, and they even say it's an iconic moment, you know. Because uh, they wanted her to be involved, at least at ringside. She couldn't even do that. And even worse news for her afterwards as well. Yeah, afterwardly, her dad was diagnosed with lung cancer. Yeah, and she spent Christmas at home back in Ireland, of course. Um, and then you see the Rumble win, and it kind of builds up to Mania. I'm sure someone predicted her winning the Royal Rumble this year, but I, I, I can't remember who. The uh, dream has no memory of that. <laughs> uh, so Lynch won, and then the build to Mania... Uh, I mean, it it wasn't the, the greatest build, of course, with all the arrests and everything that, that happened. But there is a nice moment in the, the uh, before the main event of WrestleMania, Triple H making a cry and just saying, you basically deserve this, you know. Yeah, then you see her getting ready for the main event. Yeah, I mean, and it was a big show. I mean, WWE should have gone with Ronda versus Lynch. I think one-on-one, and let's hope they get a chance, because I, I think with Charlotte there, kind of took away a little bit. I'd rather see a singles match. Well, do you think this is just going to be a, a one-and-done thing for the women in the main event of WrestleMania then, like Evolution kind of seems mm. to be? I hope not, you know. I hope they can build, and I think Lynch, they just need to build other women up, you know. And, you know, like we said, it's it's not as good as Kofi or Seth moment either. No, I mean, they even say that after seven and a half hours of action going on midnight, the crowd were pretty tired. And, of course, with the finish as well, you know, it can be a little bit of a problem. So, of course, she went on to win that match at WrestleMania. Like we said, we don't want to uh, downplay it too much. But like I said, after seven and a half hours of action, she did win. Got a moment with the fireworks. And then we see a little bit with her backstage as well. <laughs> I love you back, damn it. <laughs> and that's how we end it. A really nice moment between Vince and Becky Lynch. Completely out of character for Vince as well. Known as the hard-ass backstage. But, you know, he I reckon he's a right... Gentle, lovely bloke backstage. You know what I mean? I mean, that was brilliant. Lynch was perfect in this. We, what we complained about in Chronicle, 24 delivered in a big way. And uh, I, I really, really enjoyed it. Okay, so up next is WWE Untold, March 26, 2019. And it's the failed relaunch of WCW. Now, this was 20 minutes long. Talking heads, Bush, Booker. You had Shane Helms. and of um, course... You had... Uh... Jeff Jarrett, that's J-E-F-F-J-A-R-R-E, double T. It was basically the story of the downfall. And we got to remember September 10th, 1999, Bischoff left WCW. And we got to realise that, the kind of way it really went downhill. And who was to blame, Dan? Um, well, a, a lot of jealous people are pointing their finger at my good Twitter friend, who, you know, we, we meet up for cards once a month, Vince Russo. <laughs> He's, he's, a, he's my friend on Twitter, you know. Yeah, he is. He, I, I think you've mentioned that once or twice. No. Uh, basically, he was a straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, and it went, which was July 2000 with Jeff Jarrett 
that's J E double F J A double R E double T Logan uh, for the World Heavyweight Championship, and that's when it all went to shit. And Bischoff asked to buy it as a part of Fusant Media, who Brian Bedol was involved. And that deal went for so long up until January 11th, 2001. We get a sales phone call. And because this is like interviews and stuff like this, what I really liked is the fact you actually heard the proper phone call and them saying to him, um, or Bischoff, you've got WCW now, you're going to own it. We're going to keep you, you know, on TV here. And they had all different plans for it as well, which is crazy when you talk about it. Well, the plans are that John Laurinaitis would have been Bischoff's right-hand man. John Laurinaitis! (laughs) Uh, And they were going to move to Vegas. I was going to have a pay-per-view, WCW Big Bang, on May 16th. Uh, they had agreed a 10-year deal on TBS, but Turner took time away from them, so no TV. So when they had no TV, they had no choice, because where else were they going to do it? Didn't have a chance. And then March 23rd, 2001, WWE brought WCW. And no one was actually quite sure what was going to happen, until Shane showed up. Well, Double J said he just took time off because he knew he wasn't going to get a job in WWE and came up with TNA. Yeah, and Bish said that things worked out the way they should have been. Yeah, I mean, this was a great show with us being able to use a real phone call from Turner, making this one of the most in-depth shows and actual truthful because it's not W trying to cover their own W. And it's weird to think if Bischoff had got it off the ground. Do you think WWE would still be around now? Or is that just too much to look at? Do you know what I mean? Um, I think WCW would have been what Impact is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because, you know, obviously, if that hadn't have happened, then Jeff Jarrett wouldn't have taken time off to come up with TNA. Uh, and, you know, they kind of would have been one and the same, I reckon, because Bischoff went there. A lot of the old WCW guys did actually go along mm. to them after it. Yeah, uh, I mean, that's the kind of thing. It's TNA was like WCW light, wasn't it, at some points? But uh, it's good that we get to see it. And even Booker T says, look, if they had done a new show, I would have been a part of it. You know, Bischoff actually wasn't too bad. So it's nice to see him in a different light. It would have been good if WCW had worked out alongside WWE as well. Mm. It's kind of like two shows and the way the invasion angle happened. But I'm sure we'll cover that in a couple of years' time. Without a doubt. We move on to our next program. It's May 27th, and it's WWE yeah, you get Lana and Rusev in one car and Deville and Rose in another. Uh, Lana and Rusev compete to prove who is number one while Mandy and Sonya satisfy their sweet cravings en route to SmackDown Live. Yeah, I mean, this is 20 minutes long and the first nine minutes was a KFC advert. I kid you not, they were talking about, we like KFC, and then they went to KFC, and then they ate their KFC. And we don't get sponsored by KFC, and I've already said that name five times. Yes, and I'm drinking a can of Impto. <laughs> well, Flair was shown as the Colonel, Rusev and Lana chanting it. They all went to KFC, they all went to KFC. Uh, and then we get Otis and Rose, and uh, another interesting story as well. And uh, another program we quite like, Brooklyn Nine-Nine. And um, they're going to explain it to us, and then I'll talk about it. But Diaz would absolutely kill Lana. Right, Dad. And I think Lana comes across as a bit of a dick there when yeah. you talk about, you know, she's doing a photo shoot in the middle when they're just trying to drive traffic. Uh, and it's good because it is two worlds colliding because I know we're fans of Brooklyn Nine-Nine as well. And uh, in DeVille's a rose car, they talked about Otis Dozovich being a bit of a weird guy. Yes. <laughs> I absolutely love Otis. <laughs> he is. Dozovich is an absolute brilliant character. <laughs> and he's, yeah, getting the manly rose and, and trying to, you know... Uh, anyway, it wasn't bad. 
No, there was good chemistry between the couples and they're comfortable with the programme. Right, doubt. And then they arrive at the KFC Yum Centre and I turned it off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, up next, it's June 1st, Triple H Road to WrestleMania. Uh, you travel the road to WrestleMania with Triple H as he prepares for his epic match against Batista and his Hall of Fame induction. With yeah, this was 34 minutes long and we started on Friday, March 29th. This is the kind of start of his week and everything they kind of had to go through. Well, you get April 1st and you get to Raw. And then you get the Make-A-Wish. Uh, then on Tuesday, uh, Malibu. Yeah, he meets up with Rick Rubin. I'm not sure what they did there, but I reckon they smoked a bit of reefer. <laughs> Well, on Wednesday, they went to a Congress sports meeting in L.A. Thursday to New York for media calls. Then takeover production meeting. And then Friday, media TV interviews. Then they get a takeover run-through. The Kashida Regal backstage filming segment. Matt Bloom and Trips give the chat to the talent. The actual takeover event. And Trips was there watching it all. Walter and Dunn were featured in his reaction with the championship. And of course, Pete Dunn as well. Uh, you see Gagano and Cole. And Trips meets Johnny's family and congratulates them all of a great takeover. And then on Saturday, you get the Hall of Fame run-through. Calls all the Mania meetings for the big event. The business partner meetings for it as well. Back to the Hall of Fame to suit up. I see what you did there, Barney. And then he meets China's sister. Of course, gets inducted. And then 1am, he's off to the stadium. And then on Sunday, it's the Mania run-through. Out with DX and then back to change. Of course, this is his first match back since November. The match actually went a bit too long. But he then changed and watched the main event with Vince and Shane. Talks to all three girls. And then says at the end, tomorrow we start again. It's Raw, then Smackdown, and on Wednesday, four weeks of NXT tapings. <laughs> awesome stuff. I mean, this might be a slight puff, uh, slight puff piece, but the fucker works hard. And to see him travelling and everything he does... It's, it's, you know, people look at that and I'll look at that and I think, oh, I thought I was busy, but this fucker is just going there beyond. And you can see how much it means to him and, you know. Well, you see, like, a lot of wrestlers are preparing for their match a week before, but, you know, he's got to get NXT out of the way. Then he's got to get his Hall of Fame out of the way. And then, like, you know, he's got to come out with DX at the Mania thing and then he's got to get changed and then... And then he's still got to be back after his match. After, you know, he's been out there for, what was he out there for, about 25 minutes, yeah. half hour. Uh, do all that and then come back and then congratulate that was in the main event. I so, know, I know. You know, you've got to doff your hat to him because he is a busy man. Without a doubt. Uh, we move on and up next, it's WWE 24, June 3rd, and it's a year of Ronda Rousey. It is 48 minutes long and it is Ronda's life story. Yeah, and obviously she's uh, inspired by Rowdy Roddy Piper. What makes you say that? Well, she says, because of the attitude and the rowdy, I can't help it. And the wearing of his jacket yeah, and the wearing and of his jacket. Yeah, everything else, yeah. Uh, Dana White is a talking hedge, and she he said that she changed the sport of UFC, which is true. And at the UFC headquarters, they've got different rooms, like the Mike Tyson room and the Muhammad Ali, and Ronda Rousey's got her own room. And that's how important she is to the whole of kind of uh, sports. Uh, in 2014, you get the four horsewomen. Yeah, and, they were, uh, and then we get Mania 31, and, of course, with Ronda Rousey making her first appearance with a rock on screen. Uh, you see the May Young Classic 2017 as she started training with the others. She liked that so much, she actually started doing one-on-one -on -one training with Brian Kendrick. And Kendrick said to her whilst training, you know, let's keep some of your style in from USC, incorporate that into that rather than becoming just a cookie-cutter wrestler. Uh, then you see Sarah Rumble stealing Oscar's thunder. <laughs> I mean, she won the first ever Women's World Rumble 
But, you know, that that's not what's remembered. What's remembered is Ronda Rousey coming out and just pointing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which uh, is annoying. Yeah. Well, we should get ready for the first match, and that was Mania 34 with Kurt Angle versus Triple H and Stephanie. And then you hear how humble she is. Yeah, and how quick she was to learn. And then you see her at SummerSlam. Yeah, she won the title, of course, beating Bliss in mere seconds, it seems. Cunt. And then on to Evolution pay-per-view. And then Ronda says, every generation has a change to keep the change coming. Yeah, and it makes perfect sense, you know. And the Lynch match didn't happen, of course, Charlotte did. Yes, and Ronda says it's her favourite match. Which is quite surprising, considering everything she's done, but she liked it. And uh, then we get the Stephanie McMahon secret love fest with Ronda Rousey. They like each other, really. And then you see Lynch winning the Rumble, and again, Oscar coming out, uh, and again, Rousey coming out to steal the thunder of the Rumble winner. Yeah, you get the bill for the match, the confirmed WrestleMania main event as well. Uh, And then you you see her getting ready for it as well. You're meeting Joan Jett backstage. Uh, Of course, like we said, it didn't live up to the height, and uh, there were a lot of factors, really, wasn't it, you know? Yeah, WWE missed that, and so has James. Uh, well, at the end of the special and the end of a WWE run, Rousey, Rousey heads back to the farm with husband Travis Brown so the two can start making babies. Rousey had been wrestling for just over a year, but she described it as the longest fucking year of my life. With her ambitions now affected by uterine urges, it seems the book on her in-ring career has closed just as soon as it opened. Or has it? Brown comments that his wife changed the world with specific reference to W's women's landscape and that it's just another chapter in her life. Triple H, choosing his words, purposely cryptically responds, I don't think she's done changing the world yet. Before concluding, there's always a next chapter. Look like this isn't finished. Okay, up next, and it's another YouTube series. Yes, it is Where Are They Now? Where are they now? Uh, It is usually about 10 minutes long. I watched the Ted DiBiase Jr. one. Uh, WrestleMania 26, Cody versus DiBiase versus Orton. And of course, Orton buried the younger talent there. Uh, he left in 2013 after, apparently, he says, getting offered a five-year contract with great money. I'm not disputing that. I cannot confirm or deny he was offered a deal or not. Yes, but he decided to become a family man and live off his dad's money. Because <laughs> well, his dad was the million-dollar yeah, man. I mean, his so. dad's got enough, isn't it, you know? Uh, unfortunately, Ted DiBiase lost his son and then found religion through that. And he has a ministry now as yeah. well. Not not of darkness, but just like a kind of normal one. And he works with a lot of kids. Uh, well, and, you know, that's, yeah. it's good that he's he's become something after leaving the WWE and he's not kind of relying on his WWE fame. Without a doubt, you know. Uh, and he's retired now, of course. And then the latest one, June 10th, 2019. It's Brutus the Barber Beefcake. Yes, uh, WrestleMania 3, he became the barber character. Yeah, which, you know, when you consider it was Roddy Roddy Piper's idea to get Brutus to cut the, to cut the hair, and he didn't want to do it. He did it, and then the character was born. And then, all of a sudden, everything was fine, and then July 4th, 1990, the barber had an accident. Well, he, he probably known more as being Hulk Hogan's kind of best mate, but you can hear, you know, it's a horrible incident what kind of happens to him. And you wonder why Brutus might be the kind of way he is now. And we kind of get an inside of that in the next bit clip as well, weirdly. Because he thinks his career's over. Seems well adjusted, doesn't he? <laughs> Going, ah! He may or may not have been on coke at the <laughs> yeah, time. We cannot confirm. Uh, of course, he did go back to in-ring and known as Hogan's mate 
throughout the vast majorities of the, the 90s until he's fallen out with Hogan. But he came back to Raw and was backstage. And, uh, you know, it's nice to see him part of the WWE family again. We move on. And the next one is June 10th. And it's Table for Free. And it is the Riot Squad. Well, Ruby Riot with two T's, Liv Morgan and Sarah Logan discuss squad goals, their chemistry and the friendship that was forged as their pairing as a team. Yeah, this is 25 minutes long and it is good camaraderie between all three. Well, Liv was a bitch when she first started. <laughs> yeah, that's basically the story we're getting that she was horrible. Uh, apparently, Vince watched Suicide Squad and wanted a Harley Quinn, a Joker and a Beast. And that's why they came up with the Riot Squad. It's a really funny moment. Sarah Logan's like, so who's who then? And they're like... <laughs> I was just about to say that. <laughs> they're like, you're the beast, you know? So there's a look on her face going, oh, right, I'm the beast then. Okay. Um, but, you know, we, we talk about Ruby moving up from the Indies to NXT. And, of course, Sarah's Viking red- wedding as well. Yes, uh, Evolution's Liv's favourite match versus Banks. Bailey and Natalia. Yeah, I mean, this was a really good show. The Riot Squad had a lot left to give, and unfortunately, they decided to send Liv Morgan to Monday Night Raw. So I guess they're over and done with now. Indeed, yes. Anyway, and then our last program at the moment is May 26th, and it's a WWE, WWE PC Combine, and it was on for eight hours. Well, NXT superstars put their strength, speed and athleticism to the test in a battery of competitive events. Yeah. I mean, one woman uh, shone in this and it's the one with the long hair, Bianca Belair, who has rapidly climbed the ranks in NXT, put on a show during W's Performance Centre Combine, which aired, of course, on May 26th. The EST of NXT finished first in four of the seven events, broad jump, ring, ring agility, trap bar, deadlift and strong run. She was a runner-up in two events, Medicine Ball Toss and the 1,000-metre row, and third in the Dynamic Bench Press. Yeah, Belair was the Women's Combine champion and celebrated her win on Twitter. Um, she put, me, I told myself I wasn't going to do this again. I was going to do just enough to stay in the mix this year. Coach said, you weren't born to stay in the mix. She said, you're right. Uh, performance Centre common champ. Yeah, well, Nick Moss was a similar dominant in the men's competition. Moss won ring agility in the 1,000 metre row, the dynamic bench press and a strong run. Moss commented on his performance. Uh, Moss commented on his own performance. He said, you can't overstate my dominance in this competition. The difference between fifth and second is five points. The difference between second and Riddy Mo is 54. He said, I'm once in a lifetime in the realm of athletics. I'm a god. I'm the motherfucking best damn planet. Hashtag Riddick Regimen. Omari Palmer is an NXT trainee and is looking for his breakthrough at full sale. He made a big impression during the combine reaching £800 in the trap bar deadlift. In doing so, Palmer broke Otis Dozovic's record with Dozovic getting to £775 in 2017. Well, prior to competing in the inaugural May Young Classic, Rainer Gonzalez played basketball at Texas A&M Kingsville. Gonzalez put athleticism on display by winning three events. She narrowly edged up Belair by one second in the 1,000 metre row. Based on the physical demands required to pursue a wrestling career, fans never question whether those working with WWE are great athletes. The Combine was a great way to prove more context. Yeah, if nothing else, the Combine illustrated why it's only a matter of time before Belair not only conquers the NXT Women's Division, but also moves on to reign supreme in WWE 2. 
Do you mean by reigning supreme, get buried? Yeah. And then we move on to Hidden Gems, which is our last thing. And uh, we got Becoming a Mad Dog, March 19th, 1957. And before coming known worldwide as the Mad Dog, Mad Maurice Vachon took on the amazing Zuma in this rarely seen contest from Texas. And we've got Battle of the Horsemen, January 11th. Before joining forces in the Four Horsemen, Barry Windham and Arn Anderson went to war in this match from Charlotte. And the latest one is Stampede Reboot Pilot, and it's April 2nd, 1999. Well, Mauro Nalo calls the action in this ill-fated Stampede Wrestling Reboot, featuring Tatanka, Jim Neidhart, and more. So we move on now to 205 Live. It's episode 30 and it's May 21st. The show opens with a recap of Tony Nese's title defence against Aria Davari at Money in the Bank. We see Akira Tazara and Brian Kendrick exchange a handshake backstage ahead of participation in a five-way match later tonight. The Singh brothers announce that it is Bollywood time and definitely not Lucha time. Not to disappoint the 1.6 billion people of India, they demand referee... D.A. Brewer start counting Lucha House Party out so they can win by forfeit. Well, General Manager Drake Maverick comes down and announces they're correct. Lucha House Party aren't here tonight, but as GM, he's not going to deprive the people of tag team action, so he's found suitable replacements in the form of Jack Haraka and Humberto Carrillo. Yes, and Humberto Carrillo and Jack Haraka beat the Singh brothers, Samir and Sunil, by pinfall with the Aztec press from Carrillo. Yeah, not bad tag team in by the two, and it was a, a good match. Mike and Maria Canellas get a promo backstage where Mike scoffs about the idea that he needs a showcase match to prove that he's the best. And tonight is about watching the destruction of the friendship between Brian Kendrick and Akira Tazara. Maria says her husband will prove he's better than the best. Only Lorkin joins in the promo fun and says tonight is his chance to prove he's worthy of a title match against former champions and some of the most ruthless the division has to offer, and Mike Kanellis. Well, tonight's <laughs> match is exactly the kind of fight he likes. The commentary talks about Drew Gulak's cryptic Instagram presence of late. Aria Davari is interviewed backstage and says what's happened over the two days was an absolute fluke, and he's indignant about having to prove his value as a top contender again, and pledges that he's not done with Tony Nese yet. And in the main event, Akira Tazara over Davari, Kendrick, Kanellis and Lorkin, cradle on Davari. Tony Nese watches Tazawa celebrate on a monitor backstage. Mm, so interesting times, Tazawa is apparently number one contender. Move on to our next episode, and it's May 28th, episode 131. Jack Gallagher is in the locker room early today, and Humberto Carrillo stops by, and Jack says their victory did not settle the uneasiness he has in his stomach. Jack talks about unfinished business and he mentions the fatal four-way match in London. He wants to know what would happen if it was just them in the ring. 
He wants to know tonight. Humberto says it would be his pleasure to beat Jack again. Well, we're in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and your announcers are Nigel McGuinness, Vic Joseph, and Aidan English. Uh, match number one is Brian Kendrick versus Mike Canellis with Maria Canellis. Well, that's for number two, and Canellis avoids it. Kendrick with a captain's hook on Canellis. Kendrick with sliced bread again, and Kendrick keeps Canellis from rolling to the floor, but delay allows Canellis to kick out. Oh. Canellis with two super kicks and a Death Valley Michinoku driver, followed by a swing reverse net breaker for the win. Uh, your winner, Mike Canellis, will move swiftly on. Tony Nice is in Drake Maverick's office and Tony says he is a little restless. Well, Akira Tozawa shows up and Tony says that Tozawa has been tearing it up and Tony says he wants to remain a fighting champion so he wants to face the best and that is Akira Tozawa. Tony wants Drake to make Tozawa the number one contender. Drake says he has a lot on his plate so he does not want to make any rash decisions but he would take it under advisement. We are back and Aria Davari is in the medical office and he yells at the official. Davari says last week's fatal five-way was his way to show that he's not done, but he got six stitches in his head. He's not done, but he's not done with only Larkin. He says an eye for an eye and an ear for an ear, and he will personally be responsible for his next stitches. Well, match number two is Mike Karma versus Noam Dar. Dar with an Irish whip and Karma misses the crossbody off the turnbuckles. Dar with the kick to the leg. Then with a running drop kick for the free count. Well, after the match, Dar is asked about whether he's back on track after his victory. And he says he cannot be back on track when he was never off track in the first place. He talks about beating the Oklahoma Dafty. And Dar says he has setbacks because of the jet lag travelling between NXT UK and 205 Live. He says the Supernova 11 is solid beyond belief. He's ready to take off and be a star player on two continents. Well, Drake Maverick is outside his office and he's asked who else might be the number one contender. Drake says he has a lot to consider and there are other people. Well, Drake sees our truth in the hallway and he has business to attend to. And we are back and only Lorkinson should take responsibility for his actions. He came up short last week and he accepts that. Aria Davari blames him for his loss last week, but the only thing he would accept is the stitches he suffered. He tells Davari that the next time they meet, he will be giving thing, he will even things out and give him a second set of stitches. Well, match number three, our main event is Jack Haraka versus Humberto Carrillo. And it was a great match with two completely different styles as Humberto gets the win and Jack, ever the gentleman, congratulates him on the victory. And we're on episode 132 and it's June 4th. Drake Maverick gets his usual show opening promo. And then Abdal comes out for a match against Akira Tazara, but Drew Gulak attacks and takes the Scottish Supernova out, leading Drake to make a match on the spot. Drew Gulak over Akira Tazawa by pinfall with an Argentine neckbreaker. And then we get Mike and Maria Canales get a promo backstage where Mike whines about how he's the best no matter how unappreciated and how he wants Drake to send him his best cruiserweights. Tony Nice is interviewed backstage and he says nobody knows what Drew Gulak is capable of better than he does. And he still wants to test himself against Akira Tozawa. So he's ready for whatever decision Maverick would like to make. Lucha House Party get a promo backstage addressing their feud with the Singh brothers and pleasure to take care of them once they're done with Lars Sullivan. Only Lorkin over here, Davari by pinfall with a flash pin. Yeah, so Lorkin gets one over Davari. We've seen already that... Um, Gulak has come back and beaten Tazar, who looked like he was going to be number one contender. And, of course, your favourite down, Mike Kanellis, uh, is a cunt. Anyway, last episode, June 11th, episode 133. Well, Drake Maverick talked about his role as GM seriously, 
and he said he would not use his judgment for Tony Nese's next challenger. They'll have a fatal four-way to determine who it will be. So Akira Tozawa, Humberto Carrillo, Drew Gulak and Oni Lorcan will face off with a winner to challenge for Nese's cruiserweight title at Stomping Grounds. Well, Jack Gallagher walked out, walked down and they talked about him also wrestling on NXT UK and possibly spreading himself too thin. Chad Gable then made his 205 Live debut with a short haircut, a darker tan and enough baby oil to make Michael Nakazawa jealous. The six-pack definitely makes him look larger than he is. So he does look in great condition and we're going to see the debut of Gable here versus uh, one of our favourites, Jack Gallagher. And like I said, we've seen a lot of him recently. And uh, this should be an entertaining match. So do you think this is the right move for Chad Gable? Uh, well, he's certainly not getting a push on the main brand. I mean, you know, he kind of aligned himself with a tool the last time he was up there. So, you know, it's... I don't like to... I mean, don't get me wrong. I am a fan of Jason Jordan, but I can see exactly what you're saying. I wasn't talking about the... Uh, Shelton Benjamin. Shelton smash. Benjamin. Yeah, you're right. I mean, Shelton Benjamin's not been really used right on the main roster either. No, the other tool he was with. If you're talking about his former tag team partner, Bobby Roode, then you're mistaken. But uh, let's forget about that. Let's just watch these two great guys because there's one thing that these guys could do is definitely mat wrestling. Hopefully we can see a bit of that in this one. And two alive have been a bit hit or miss recently, but at least two guys I can definitely get behind. Absolutely, yeah. These two guys uh, are definitely ring masters. The Jack Gallagher's tying up Chad Gable in the early goings. And again, this is the Jack Gallagher that I think we've missed. Yeah, I think he tried yeah. making Chad Gable look silly, but Gable manages to roll out of it and gives Jack his wave back. And Jack knows he's got a bit of a challenge on his hands. I think without a doubt, you know, this Jack Gallagher is so entertaining. We see what he did when he first came, but let's not dispute how good uh, Chad Gable is either. Chad Gable had some very good matches against John Cena. Yeah, I AJ mean, Styles or... AJ Styles, every time he's been put in a match, you know, he's always seemed to perform. So I think with him, it's more of a character thing, if you know what I mean, as opposed to an actual talent. He looks like EC3 has shrunk. <laughs> <laughs> That's the thing about Jack. There's not many people that look like him, even Tyler Bate, you know, you'd say, oh, maybe that's the guy, but they're completely different. So is Jack Gallagher in the right place? Should he be here or should he be on uh, NXT UK? I think any, whoever used him better. And I think if he can do both, and I think that's great. But we've seen recently Gallagher's come on a losing end of uh, Carrillo. So maybe NXT UK in a fresher start. I think he's definitely could go for someone for the NXT UK title. I don't know what you think. Absolutely, yeah. I don't think Walter's going to be his uh, ideal opponent, though, with Jack in his very, very pale chest. <laughs> but you wouldn't, you know, it would... You still give Jack a fighting chance in that match, though, you know, in, in a weird way, if you think about it, because of stuff he can do. Maybe tying up a, a big man like that. Monkey flip, and uh, Chad Gable rolls through, both wrestlers holding on, and uh, delivers one to Jack Gallagher as well. A lovely arm drag takedown there by Chad Gable, puts Gallagher on the mat. And there's definitely a catch-as-catch-can style going on at the moment. Neither man really getting the advantage. This is a match that you could watch for hours and knock it bored. I mean, these two guys are just keep pulling classic moves out of the bag and that. And it, it is good, like, you know, these kind of matches, not one wrestler's getting uh, upper hand. Mm. There's you a know, real. Just trying to out wrestle each other. Yeah, there's a real kind of traditional feel about this as well. You know, like, this is what they were doing, you know, back as Gable's gone to the outside now. Jack Gallagher coming to fly out on top of him, but. Uh, Gable ducks, 
by the ring apron. Gallagher goes over to Tottenham, throws him into the steel stairs. Okay. Eight, nine, the game might be counted out. And he finally did, but right into Jack's uh, offensive move. And a huge European uppercut. Upper what? And you can see the market on Jack's side as well. Looks like Chad Gable's got a bit of internal bleeding. And we speak about, as well, with uh, you know Pete Dunn with joint manipulation, and Jack's doing the, the best there, and really just taking the, uh, the hands and making Gable pay. Well, Dunn versus Gallagher, I think, would be a absolute brilliant humdinger of a match. I think there's so much great British talent, and I don't, I don't want to be biased, but there just seems to be loads coming through at the moment. Where there you... is loads of British talent, and of course, Drew McIntyre. There's no need for that, really, is there? I'll, uh, I'll ignore that, as Jack looking to put Gable away now. A delayed suplex. Oh, my God, and he's got him up. He must hold him up there for at least 10 seconds. At least 15 seconds, then all the blood rushed to Chad Gable's head and drops Gable straight into the cover. No, Gable with a kick out. Oh. Seeing a lot of people associate these cruiserweights with flying and running around the ring and flipping and neither of these guys have actually gone on the top rope let alone no. anything else no, it's true it's, it's crazy just the different kind of styles that they've got and one thing we've complained about is wrestlers as well not taking advantage you know talking to the crowd or having a go at the referee and you see Jack right after that offensive move just straight back in there just wearing Gable down he's on him absolutely this is everything we want a huge Irish whip into the corner Gable collapses in a heap. Gallagher keeps hold of the wrist of Gable. Throws him to the opposite corner with such force. And Jack's kind of got the kind of heelish side that he had and he's kept the part of that. And of course the kind of this fun style that he had to begin with as well. He's really his kind of hybrid Gallagher. This is absolutely the Jack Gallagher that we want. The one that's wearing his trunks. He's got his old style but still got some of that venom that he had mm. before. Irish whip reversed by Gable, though. And now Jack's in serious trouble. Gable's got him. Belly to belly overhead and throw. <laughs> Keeps the grip. Does the seconds. The Gallagher fighting out before Gable can deliver a third. Oh, my God. Full Nelson right on the back of Jack's head. But Jack managing to kick out. Oh. Well, he's caught Jack right in the middle of the ring. And look at the transition there. And that is really odd as well because the ankle lock into the armbar. But we were speaking about that earlier. Well, I was saying that um, I, I like to watch my Royal Rumbles. And I, was, I saw an absolute humdinger of a match. Uh, Kurt Angle versus Chris Benoit. Absolute brilliant match. And I was talking about the transitions that they was moving between moves during that as well. And, you know, this is... Very reminiscent of that. Yeah, that was absolutely brilliant. And now Gable's got Jack, and he's going to hit a dragon suplex. Goes for the cover, but going to kick out. Ah. And that internal bleeding is really bad at the moment for Gable. Well, I was actually uh, told by one of my sources that Chad weighed in at 206, cut his hair, and now he can fit in with a 205 live crowd. Um, there you go. It makes all the sense in the world, actually. True story. Ankle lock attempt, but Gallagher sends Gable into the second turnbuckle. Got him up on the shoulders, hangs him up on the top rope. Huge lariat. <laughs> Turns Gable inside out. 
And he was far too heavy when he had that piece of shit knocking around with him as well, but we won't Look, get into that. Yeah, don't ever go at Jason Jordan too much. I wasn't what talking a about him. huge impact there. And look at the marks on Gallagher's back. Well, the marks and welts covering Jack Gallagher's pale body. Right. Gallagher's got that evil look in his eyes, comes flying towards uh, Gable with a running kick, but Gable ducks out of the ring. Gallagher goes flying, catches Gallagher, turns him inside out of a belly-to-back suplex. A huge impact, and Gallagher might not know where he is, and Kyoda counting. Ten, and Kyoda has to go for it. Gallagher didn't get in in time. Referee had no chance, didn't get in. Was that supposed to happen? Well, we've got a little bit more detail about that after our main event. Well, Gables won this match, and our main That ev- wasn't the main event. <laughs> no, it wasn't, even though it was such... What did you think of the match first? Sorry. Absolute fucking humdinger, brilliant match. Loved it. I'd like to see more. Well, yeah, we'll move on to Mike and Maria Kinellis complain to Maverick about Mike not being in the number one contendership match. Because he's shit. Mike not getting the match against Gable. Because he's shit. And how screwed over Mike has been by Maverick. Because he's shit. This feels like it's gone on much longer than Jerry Lawyer versus Jimmy Hart did in Memphis. Because he's shit. Maverick mentioned seeing Mike and Maria's social media posts about their contract status. Good. Fuck off then. Maria buried Maverick for going after the 24-7 title. And said he should stop worrying about their status and worry about his own. Fuck off, basically. Well, Drew Gulak's beating the Noam Dar and victory over Tazar was shown from last week. Dar somehow cut a heel promo about being beaten up, saying that 205 Live management doesn't care about providing a safe working environment for the star players. Dar said this would never happen to him in NXT UK, and he's right. The Singh brothers came down and added a clapper to their act. And then the Singh brothers defeated Dossal Lockhells. The Sings danced with the jobbers and got one of the locales to, and one of the locales got a schoolboy off the dance and then hit a drop kick. The Sings did dueling mud hole stomp in the corner. The demolition decapitation got the win for the Sings with them calling it the Bollywood Blast. WWE should have just given them their old Bollywood boys name if they're going to be doing this gimmick. The cruiserweight champion Tony Nice was interviewed by Sarah Schreiber and discussed the wrestlers in a number one contendership match. And he said he's sick of sitting on the sidelines, ready for whoever his next challenger is. And the number one contenders match, Drew Gulak versus Akira Tozawa versus Humberto Carrillo and versus Only Lorkin ended with a double pin. Tozawa missed a tornado kick to Carrillo, but he landed on his second attempt and went up top. Carrillo went up after him, but was shoved into the barricade by Gulak. Gulak wanted a superplex, but Tozawa clubbed his back to a loud, ah, chant. Gulak hit a headbutt and a superplex, but both Gulak and Tazawa cradled each other on the mat and the referee counted to three. Let's not forget as well that only Lorcan got screwed out of this match by um, Davari as well with a chair to the back. Well, Maverick asked the two referees what they saw, with one ref giving the win to Gulak and the other giving it to Tazawa. This was done absolutely perfectly because each man's shoulders were down at the exact same amount of time and neither went. Well, this was a rare cliffhanger on 205 Live and it wonderfully... This was a fantastic show overall. Yeah, and we talk about the match that ended with Gable defeating Gallagher by count-out. Considered the top match for the show, the count-out finish seemed to come from nowhere. No, James, no. No. There's only one thing that comes out of nowhere, and we know that. Well, it appears that this wasn't the planned ending when the match was put together. According to sources, the referee was not supposed to count the wrestlers out. At the end of the match, Gable attempted to hit a German suplex on Gallagher, who was attempting a mid-air tope. It wasn't meant to be, but hopefully we get a rematch of that. So what have you thought of 205 Live this month, Dan? Um, 
there have been some very good moments in it, especially uh, with the introduction of uh, Chad Gable. Hopefully him and Gallagher are going to get another match after their one seemingly kind of ended in uh, kind of shady circumstances, shall we say. Aside from the uh, the Mike Kanellis bit where he should just fuck off because no one cares about him, it has actually been very good. It's not been bad and there's hope for the future, but there's still a few things that I'm not happy about when it comes to 205 Live, like the Kanellis at the moment and Davari's involvement. And, uh, and I don't think Tony Nice is... We've not seen him be a great cruiserweight champion. Uh, we'll hope, let's hope for him. We'll see who he faces. It'll be Tazawa or Gulak or will it be a triple threat match? But anyway, we move on to news. News! And days after Ashley Mazzaro's attorney, Constantine Kuris, published the affidavit that Mazzaro wrote detailing how she was raped by a U.S. military service member while on tour with WWE, the company replied with a statement denying all allegations. Well, WWE noted that Mazzaro eventually apologized last year in an email for being part of Kuris's class action lawsuit against them and even provided a copy of it to the New York Post. Masaro described WWE as her family and said that she was poached by Kyrgios and the lawsuit quickly went out of control. Well, the full unedited statement from WWE reads as follows. WWE is saddened by the death of Ashley Masaro and we reiterate our condolences to her family. However, we regret that her attorney, Constantine Kyrgios, who filed multiple cases against WWE, lost all of them and was sanctioned multiple times by the court for repeated misconduct and false allegations is using Ashley's death to further his malicious campaign against WWE by releasing an affidavit that she was that she submitted to the court and later apologised to WWE for being involved with. So we wish to make certain things crystal clear. At no time was Vincent Mann or management of WWE ever informed by Ashley Mazzaro or anybody else that she has been sexually assaulted, drugged, raped or sodomised by a military doctor with a nurse standing guard while on Goodwill Tour in 2007. Yeah, to US military bases in Kuwait. In fact, if she ever articulated such a claim to WWE, we would have reported it immediately to the base commander. At no time was there ever a meeting with Vince McMahon, Kevin Dunn, John Laurinaitis, or other company executives in which she told them as such a claim and was instructed to keep it quiet. Yeah. So that came out um, after, obviously, what happened. And it's just a horrible thing, you know, and uh, whatever we can say now, which she's gone. So, you know, one good bit of news is Mick Foley's on a, doing his tour around the UK and America and he's raising uh, money for the children, isn't he? Um, well, we've got an update on that. He's actually surpassed the amount. It is for Ashley Massaro's daughter to kind of give her a good life, kind of, you know, that one that her mother would have provoked, um, you know, going to university, college, etc., etc., because, you know, living in America's a tough time and they've surpassed 101,000 so, so absolutely brilliant to that okay so we'll try and cheer us up a little bit next story Terry on the Reynolds well former WWE superstar Terry Reynolds was arrested at Tampa International Airport in Tampa Florida on Wednesday for allegedly carrying a concealed firearm according to TMZ Sports the charge Reynolds is facing is a class 3 felony punishable by up to 5 years in prison and $5,000 in fines. The jail following her arrest and bond was set at $2,000. She was carrying a loaded Glock 9mm handgun while she was arrested at security checkpoints. Runnels worked for WCW as Alexandra York from 1990 to 91 and later debuted in WWE as Marlena in 96. As Marlena, Runnels serves as a manager for Goldust, who was a real-life husband at the time. Yeah, Goldust, a.k.a. Dustin Rhodes, where Reynolds were married from 93 to 99, and Reynolds remained until WWE until 2004. 
After the Marlena character ran its course, Runnels went by a real name and served myriad roles, including manager, wrestler, backstage interviewer, and television host. She even won the Hardcore Championship on one occasion. Well, now 52 years old, Runnels has largely stayed out of the spotlight in recent years, although she did appear on the 25th anniversary edition of Raw last year, and she said she was only carrying it because uh, it was keeps her safe. <laughs> but at an airport... After what had happened with, you know, all these terrorist attacks and that, it is a really, really stupid thing to it do. It really is, yeah. But anyway, on to Name Changer. Yeah. And for a while, it seemed like WWE was rolling out a lot of NXT talent using their real names, or the one they used before Triple H and the team signed them. Lately, it appears we're back to the days where everyone got a moniker the company can trademark and control. According to PW Insider, five talents have been rechristened with WWE names. And, well, see for yourself. So, Adrian Giroud is now Artro Ruas. Okay, so the next one is Jesse Elaban is now Jesse Camilla. The former volleyball player was in the May Young Classic last year and she has a handful of appearances on the weekly NXT shows under a couple gimmicks like Jaoud and Ruas. This is strictly to ensure WWE controls the name. It's fine. Luke Menzies is now Ridge Holland. Well, the Brit is a former pro rugby player, so maybe this makes sense to differentiate his old career from his new one. Is this the one change on the list? This is the one change on the list I really dig because I love seventies action movies, and Ridge Holland is definitely the name of a character Burt Reynolds would have played. I think you're right. Well, Trevor Lee is now Cameron Grimes. The former Impact star hasn't debuted on NXT television yet, so my guess is they wanted something which sounded more southern, and Cameron is a nod to the men who trained him, Matt and Jeff Hardy. We'll get used to it. And Eric Bugenhagen is now Rick Bugez. What? I mean, with the K and the Z, I get that we're going for an 80s rock vibe, which fits, and need to hear how they pronounce the last name. Is it Buggies? Is it Bogies? Is it Bugez? Is it Buggies? What did you say it was? Bugs. Is it Bugs? Before passing final judgment. But this is a guy they've pushed a fair amount on the network and online, and it's fucking Bugenhagen, dude. How fun is that to say? And fitting for an air rock doof, eh? If there should have been a candidate for W Star one naming, it's Bugenhagen. You imagine that. And now what's going to happen if he gets called up? Will he just be called Rick? Well, it turns out Ridge Holland, Eric Bugs. And friends were just part of a wave of renaming going on in XT right now. The Black and Yellows uh, brand's house show in Largo, Florida last night on June the 6th gave us a couple more. Yeah, former TNZ X Division champ DJZ picked up a win in this match against Connor Reeves and already changed his Twitter handle. His entrance stick will still be from Andy Indies and his name is Joe Quinn Wilde. Well, Shane Strickland's been going by his nickname Swerve for a while and he played Killshot on Lucha Underground. Now we'll all have to get used to him as Isaiah Scott. Isaiah <laughs> Scott. Well, anyway, move on. And one, two, three, four, I declare a Twitter war. The Raw Women's Champion's Twitter game is still strong, but after some rumours she may have been asked to tone it down by the powers that be, Lynch isn't as active as she's been in the last few beefs where she was the murderee and not the murderer. Well, June 6th was an interesting day for Becky on social media as he interacted with a few old fo- foes to mix results. 
First, the man went after her bosses in a since-deleted tweet. WWE was promoting a live-streaming interview with Kathy Kelly with the promise Lynch would speak on a relationship with Seth Rollins. That triggered this response from Bex. After all the things I've done this year, talking about my love life isn't high on my list. WWE's promotion of the Now interview no longer contains mention of Rollins, but it wasn't a total victory for Lynch because Big E is relentless. And Big E said, what about your mums? <laughs> <laughs> See, I remember back in the day when a really acceptable comment to anyone saying anything to anyone was, your mum. <laughs> and that is just right up my alley. Or Becky Lynch's yeah, mum's or alley. Becky, Becky, uh, Big E is in love with Becky Lynch's mum. Uh, perhaps riding high after shutting the company down from marketing and the relationship, they're very interesting in marketing. Becky decided to pick a fight with old rivals Edge and Beth Phoenix. Soon as it started with Lynch replying to the parenting meme, Phoenix tweeted to her husband, it probably wasn't destined to go well. At Beth Phoenix, at Edge, we really need to get one of the two of you out of that retirement village that you're living in. Uh, and while Edge landed a solid shot early on, it still seemed to be going okay for the champ. Yeah, she said, can't your wife talk for herself? Actually, I listened to NXT commentary, clearly not. And Re- uh, Edge replied, said, ah, oh, Bex, this whole Twitter thing with me didn't work out well for you last time. Are you and the boy toy that bored with WWE creative? I mean, granted, it would make it way more exciting if you were that good. You shouldn't need us. And then Beth Phoenix replied to Beck and Lynch said, I'll keep improving at commentary while you'll never be able to lace my boots. And Lynch said, put your kids to bed, kiss your frail husband goodnight, lace your own damn boots and come and find me. Beth Phoenix said, I do know Seth Rollins spending your free time on the W Network fueling your creepy crushes on Edge. I get it, he's handsome. And Becky Lynch said, might be time for mummy to step away from the sherry. Let me know when you want your head slapped off. And then the rated R superstar rolled in with a kill shot a couple hours later, probably after he got the kids to bed. Oh, wait, what? This still happening? Sorry, the man, I got bored after your last week tweet and walked away. Kind of like I do when your matches come on, huh? You used to like puns before you were cool, right? Ratings, juggernaut. And I say, be gone, little one. Well, old boy, these two a few days ago. That was a few days ago. Edge was tired. And then we thought it was finished, but it still continued. Well, Becky Lynch did respond to Edge's tweet uh, and said, got a minute here, let's see Edge's reply. Oh, the ratings, bro, retort, to one of the few who gains an audience on TV. Weird, must be talking about Beth. Wonder, is he getting his women mixed up as he's been known to do when there's a redhead wrestler involved? Oh, well, Edge, (laughs) damn. And then Edge responded, Took you this long to find your right to write this one for you. He needs work. Oh, trust me, we won't confuse your dumpster fire hair colour with the other redhead. But be careful, you may get best back and she may knock you back to your river dance days, last kicker. Now quit obsessing. And then Becky Lynch's uh, response was, Dude, why didn't you tag me on this? Also, I've been trying to fight your wife this whole time. So you go back to tweeting things your daughter did I go back to beating the one adult in your house that isn't made of glass and then Edge said you actually made Jersey smell worse stinking up the main main event like you did you focus on improving that instead of (laughs) standing me kiddo it would work out for you maybe Beth can carry you to a decent match and he said before Becky could respond okay while you scramble with your ghostwriter to come up with a comeback and think of the next wrestler you'll rip off Stone Cold Stan Austin 
I'm going to shine one of my 31 championships. Goodbye, Becky. One belt. And then Becky Lynch said, yeah, that'd be awful if one of us was using other people's. Wait a minute. And then she put a tweet which said, uh, hey, Becky Lynch, the dude's literally stealing fans' jokes for his comebacks. Pathetic. As uh, she highlighted, Becky is Stone Cold Stan Austin. And then Edge said, yeah, I had this one in the bank already, but clearly it was an easy softball. So I'm not the only one thinking, if you quit trolling me and just ask her, also, you don't have a job, I earned my retirement, go earn yours. Also, no comment on your Mania match. And uh, Beth came in to kind of finish it here and said, listen, Becky Lynch, as entertaining as this is, I know you and Edge just won't stop. If you really want this, ask the man who owns the company. But in case you're worried or hoping that Edge and Becky Lynch were legitimately attacking one another on Twitter, well, for one thing, Ric Flair, who's he's still getting the hang of this social media stuff, was getting upset by it too. Unlike you or I, the Nature Boy can make a call and either get to the bottom of or squash the beef. So as he told Dave LeGreco and Bully Ray on Cyrus XN's Busted Open a couple of days ago, that's what Flair did. He said, I had to call Edge up and say, tell me Becky Lynch isn't really shooting on you. My God, it was pissing me off. Edge was able to calm Nate down, confirming for his fellow he and the man were just working. Of course, by telling the story on radio, Flair himself was breaking kayfabe. Or as Bully said, well, you just exposed that one, Rick. Which is fine. Most of us figured a lot of social media back and forth was agreed to in advance, if not plotted out completely by both parties. Hell, Becky's Twitter bio cheekily reads, nothing but work gets done here. But if you're enjoying suspending your disbelief and going with a fiction at Lynch and Edge and Beth Phoenix and maybe Ronda Rousey, Charlotte Flair, Lacey Evans and all trying as the man has had since sometime 2018, really had issues? Woo! And now on to departures. You may have noted that WWE hasn't been using York City DJ Peter Rosenberg on pay-per-view kickoff shows lately. Rosenberg, who has also hosted post-shows like Raw Talk and several episodes of the WWE Network show Bring It to the Table, recently explained when he's found out that he was no longer in the company's pre-show plans. The end of an era episode of Rosenberg's Cheap Heat podcast on ESPN isn't exactly the WNR podcast, but I suppose dish is a dish, you know? Well, after alluding to some personal issues he's been dealing with but didn't want to discuss, which led him to take in a break from travelling with WWE, the Hot 97 morning host broke down what happened. When I came back to WWE, I was ready to work WrestleMania. Those who make decisions of those things, Michael Cole, were no longer interested in using me for that. So WrestleMania came to New York City, where I've been promoting it for four months, even when I was no longer travelling. And they said, we don't have a pastry on WrestleMania. They couldn't even squeeze me on that Fakakata watch-along show with 80 people talking at the same time. Still don't have room for me there. Couldn't put me anywhere. Okay. Well, why admits being taken back by the decision, Rosenberg said he understands. It doesn't take it personally. He also makes it clear that his criticism watch-along isn't personal. As much as it sounds like I'm even mad at Cole, not even mad at Cole, Cole and I were never super tight. He's got the way he sees things. If I don't fit into that, I don't care. There's a lot of things that I don't. As you can hear, I think the Watch Along show is literally the worst show. An embarrassment to the network. That's not a veiled shot at Pat McAfee. I don't think anyone can do that show and make it good. You can't have ten people talking at the same time. It's not good. I bet we could make that work. Anyway, the payoff list was on the announcement. Rosenberg will continue to do cheap heat with his co-star, that guy, Greg. 
And while he says he'd love to work with WWE in the network in the future, and believes he'll be interested because his presence in the New York market and profile... Oh, fuck off, Rosenberg. Well, we're now in the shoot era of the podcast, so they can all fuck off. And, you know, sounds fair. I don't mind Rosenberg gone, but now can we talk about Sam Roberts? <laughs> Indeed, yes. Well, before that, we get some injuries. Well, Ruby Wright, with two Ts, will be off WWE television for a while due to soldier injury, shoulder injuries that will require two separate surgeries. Well, Raya already had successful surgery on May 21st to repair a bilateral injury in her right shoulder that will also need a similar operation on the left shoulder, which will take place others from her first surgery. The firm... <laughs> it's like a tongue twister. The former leader of the Riot squad to fight the European Tour and wrestles on the shows despite the injuries, but it's not been seen on television in a month. AJ Styles was being taken out of a four-way match for the number one contendership to the Universal title. After the announcement, Styles was attacked by Baron Corbin. This may mean that Styles will be missing some time, as according to sources, Styles is not advertised for any live events or television throughout June. James confirmed on Instagram should be out indefinitely to undergo surgery for an ACL injury. They reported it happened Monday and was hurt during the W Live event on Saturday. After an extended run with Impact Wrestling, James returned to WWE ecosystem to wrestle Oscar at NXT TakeOver Toronto in November 2016. She subsequently signed a long-term contract with WWE to join the main roster. Well, outside of a rivalry with Alexa Bliss, though, the fall of 2017, James has largely been a sporting character in the women's division. So now we move on, and Dan, it's time for NXT. And when does NXT update start? Now! And it's episode 510 and it's June 5th. A recap package from last Saturday takes us into the opening theme. Then Mauro Ronaldo, Beth Phoenix and Nigel McGuinness welcome us back to Webster Bank Arena in Bridgeport, Connecticut. Well, our first match is Keith Lee defeating Conor Rees via pinfall following the limit breaker. Lee enters first to a really good reaction. He looks bemused by the fine new preens while we get an O oh, bask in his glory chant. Keith controls the action early as... This is a chance to watch Lee manhandle another big man. Connor feigns a knee injury and headbutts Keith while the referee checks on him to finally get an offence. Well, Fleury in a boot to the head while Lee was hung in the ropes and he gets Connor at one count. One. Keith starts to hulk out a rest hold, but a forearm to the back of the head allows him to land a few more strikes. Too much trash talking pisses off Lee, who finally does power up and fly around while coming back. Reeves snaps his arm over the ropes from the floor and connects with a rock bottom for two. Two. Frustration, frustration proves to be his downfall as the pounce sets up the finish. Nigel kicks us to a Maro-narrated look at Shania Baza's successful title defence and Io Shirai's post-match attack from Saturday night. We see the fallout video where Shirai says she's not done with Shayna, and we learn next week we have an Io Candice LeRae versus Jasmine Duke and Marina Shafir tag match 
Well, the Street Profits winning the NXT Tag Team titles in TakeOver's four-way ladder match gets an exclusive footage treatment. Then we see the online exclusive video of Montez Ford and Angelo Dawkins taking their favourite video guys to party and getting my Profit shirt. Ronaldo intros some night lights of Velveteen Dream successfully defending his North American title against Tyler Breeze. Then we see Breeze's post-show interview. And now it's Mia Yim versus Bianca Belair. And of course, this is the rubber match. Both women with a victory over the other. And when you think Blair was defeated, uh, undefeated for such a long time, for him to get one over there, it was a little bit of a surprise. But now in this one, you got to think Blair's the favourite. And do you think they've dropped the ball a little bit with Bianca Belair since her takeover appearance? Uh, you know, it's it's been noted quite a bit that I'm not a huge fan of Belair. I think it's just her hair and not a talent that pisses me off. Mm. But... Um, they certainly had a good thing going with Bianca Belair and I feel they should have run with it a bit better. Oh, and Yim there. They've got Sunset Flip and they've got Blair down. Managed to get shoulder up at two. Two. They're both women who know each other so well now, of course. Drag it Yim, but stopped by Belair. Well, Blair trying to taunt Yim, but Yim managed to fight out of it. And why is Belair still going undefeated. She has been defeated. Exactly. Yim's actually got the job done and Blair's got hold of Yim's hair. It might actually be a crisis of confidence of Blair just playing it out like it's not him. Lovely head scissors takedown. Neither woman getting a, a vivid upper hand as yet, but as I say that, Mia Yim looks like she's taken over. And as I say that, Bianca Belair reverses an Irish whip. And both women running the ropes and Belair gets the other hand planting Mia Yim face first into the canvas. And now you see just a clubbing blows. The constant offence by Belair. Kicking Yim away. Big clothesline down now. Looks for the cover. But only gets a two count. Two. I don't know. I'm still not completely sold on either of these two women. I think I need to see a little bit more sparkle from them both. Yeah, I mean, it, they've not had a bad feud with each other, but it's like, you can see there's there's potential there though, isn't there? You know, that's Absolutely, the thing. Yeah. I think Belair's ready made more than uh, Yim is, but it'd be interesting to see what they do because we've talked about the women's division and I frankly feel Basler at the moment is kind of killing it. Uh, not, in, not in a good way. No. And uh, I know you Shai, you know, Callis Ray involved in that now, but this is the future we're looking at with Belair. I'm sure she'll get a, either a championship opportunity or a call up soon. Yeah, she's got a variation of the uh, abdominal stretch on. Made famous by uh, uh, Wilbur Schneider. Schneider. And he managed to escape, did Yim. Oh, a lovely tilt a well gut buster there from Bianca Belair. Goes into a cover. Yeah, maybe a uh, problem with positioning there. And the referee had to check that one. It seems like Mia Yim's breast is trying to escape from her top. <laughs> well, let's hope changes that. We don't have an incident. And now, bow and arrow. But Belair's got to be careful. Her shoulders aren't down. She's got a hand across her throat. Surely that's a chokehold. Well, don't call me Shirley. And the referee's checking every movement line. It is a dancing ref, so I've got to give him a break. Dance break? <laughs> well, Yim managed to get out of it, but only got a one. And the knee to the midsection of Yim uh, regains control for Belair. And now Belair just in complete control, working the back of Yim. But she's doing something that's uh, irritated us quite a lot. Oh, fucking hell. Yeah. She's growing her balls. <laughs> taking her time, and it came back to haunt her. And she looks to drop her weight onto the back, but Mia Yim got her knees up. And now goes for the cover, but Belair out at two. Two. And again, planting Yim's face back into the mat, getting control back for Belair. 
But Yim rolling through, looking for the cross arm breaker. But uh, doing all she can to hold on. So uh, so Yim doesn't get that breaker locked in. And Blair, we know how powerful she is as she turns it round. And Yim has to break the submission. And will we see Blair submit? She's in serious trouble. Well, there's me and Yim trying to soften up the neck a bit for a finisher. Protect your neck. Oh, my God. And Belair just slamming Yim down. Back of the head, right off the mat. Yim throwing uh, Belair out of the ring. And Yim is really struggling. Sorry, but Yim sounds like you're trying to start up a moped. Yim, 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 Yim. Belair with a ring post on Yim. Oh, that's it. She's the HBIC. And Yim there into the ring post there. Shoulder first. Chicken wing attempt from uh, Belair. But Yim manages to roll through and send Bianca shoulder first into the steel steps. Well, referee's up to eight. And Mia throws Belair back in. And now Belair on the mat. And Yim raining down with kicks. And a huge drop kick sending Belair all the way back in the corner. He's got a tarantula locked in. Who used to use that? Tajiri. And now Yim. Sunset for it. Oh, no. Belair managing to kick out. Uh-huh. A huge let's go Mia EST chant going through the crowd. And Mia with a kicks to Belair. Uh, Belair pulling Mia Yim back. Oh, Jesus German Christ. release. But it looked like Mia Yim landed on the back of her neck or the top of her head. A huge impact there by Belair. But they're going for a cover again. But again, Yim kicking out. Uh-huh. Uh-oh, and Belair now looking to finish it. And a powerbomb attempt. And Yim now's got the guillotine back in. Belair managing to escape it, though. Mia Yim with a spinning heel kick to the midsection. Oh, and then a kick to the chest. Oh, Belair rocked Yim with the elbow, then come off the second. But Mia rolled out the way. Now Yim's perched on the top turnbuckle. Like a code breaker to the jaw. Oh, that was a protect your neck. It's a bit of a finisher that you have to be set up to finish, I think, with that. <laughs> you know, it's not one that you can just crack out of somewhere. You have to be, like, in a certain position in a certain part of the ring. Well, protect your neck gets the job done. And Yim has beaten Bianca Belair. And the, the undefeated has lost the last two against Yim. And Yim throws herself right in contention now for the NXT Women's Championship. Uh, what do you think of that match? Um, it wasn't a terrible match. I think both women, uh, they've certainly got a lot, a lot of talent. You know, hopefully the, these women are the building blocks for NXT Women's Division because there isn't much of one. Yeah, well, Mia's in tears as the announcers play it up as the biggest win of her career. A reminder of Kashida's win over Drew Gulak from last week sets up an interview with the Cruiserweight Crusader. Kathy Kelly asks him about the loss and Gulak rants about how he's not going to get shown up by a Back to the Future cosplayer. He also says Biff is a hero of the trilogy, not Marty. And also wants to prove that he's the best submission specialist. He challenges Kushida to a submission match. We see a tweet where the undefeated superstar agrees and General General Manager William Regal has booked the match. Well, next week's main event will be the Brit and Brawlers, Anne Lorcan and Danny Birch versus Young Dispute Dearers, Roger Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. Then we get a big video package on Adam Cole's NXT title match victory over Johnny Gagano from TakeOver 25. And that's it. 
So just a quick recap there of Takeover 25 and still another one, episode 511, June 12th. Nigel McGuinness and Mauro Ronaldo welcome us to Bel Air, Maryland and, take, and run down our card. This was filmed prior to Takeover 25 but commentary was recorded afterwards and this fits into kayfabe continuity as it's happening after the show in Bridgeport, Connecticut. And the ladies are up first. And it's Io Shai and Candice LeRae versus Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke. Probably the two worst wrestlers in, in wrestling today in WWE are going up against uh, Marina Shafir and Jasmine Duke. No, they're not. I love Io Shai and Candice LeRae. Well, Baszler's ruined the women's division. She's looking on from the ramp as Shafir and Duke will be in action. Gets two of the, uh, I think, best talents in the women's division, Io Shai and Candice LeRae, who will start with Duke. And Lorraine looking to get a quick roll up there on Jasmine, but unfortunately only a two count. Two. Shafir caught with a drop kick. Now snap her takedown. Jackknife cover for the victory, but now only a two count again. Two. And Shafir goes to outside for safety. Going to try and regroup with Duke. But Lorraine's looking to go flying. Baseball slide takes out Jasmine Duke, but Marina Shafir managing to get hold of Lorraine, but throws her into a 6 1 9. And she kicks her back in the face. Oh, she throws Shafir back in and Jasmine Duke now. Oh, but a distraction was good enough for Shafir to get back into this. They are terrible. Even their offense looks awful. They're not ready yet for this opportunity, I don't believe. No, and I think they're taking the opportunities of two women that thoroughly deserve it. Mm-hmm. And, of course, we've got Jessica Carr officiating this match. Good to see her. In the ring. It's probably the best thing going on at the moment. As now submission by Shafir on Leray. Leray, he's one of these veterans. He's been around for ages. So if you want someone in there to try and make Shafir as good as she can, it is going to be someone like Candice. Nice arm drag takedown there. But Io Shai knocked off the apron by Shafir. And a kick to the chest. Sends her back to the corner so she can tag in Jasmine Duke. Io Shai's back up on you for a tag. But... She's partially injured herself, so I don't know how much good she'll be if she does get the tag in. She's barely reaching. Candice with a boot up and takes Shafir down. Tries driving Duke to her corner, but Lorraine pushes Duke into Shafir. Gets some much-needed separation. Duke running towards the corner, trying to take out Io Shirai again. But Shirai ducks and she grabs the leg of Candice Lorraine, who catches with a step up in Seguri. Now, this is the best opportunity for uh, Candice to get to her corner and tag in Io Shirai. Here she comes. Shafir wasn't there for Duke, but Shirai was, and now big forearm takedowns. She winds up in a huge double fist to the chest. 6-1-9. He's going to try and get back in, but Shafir holding her leg. Shirai's still managing to keep hold of offense. Takes down Jessamine Duke with a seated drop kick. Oh my gosh, Shayla. That's exactly what she did to Carvey uh, oh, Sane. Stomps on the arm of Jasmine Duke as Basler watches on. There's a different side to Shai, more sadistic. Running knees in the corner. And just steps over, goes up top now for the moonsault. As Basler gets involved in the match. But that's not going to stop Shirai taking out Basler. And it just stomps away at Shayna. And Candice Ray flying to take out Duke and Shafir. No, oh, Shirai sends Basler into the stairs and the referee calls for the bell. Count out. 
I think so. Can't, or disqualification. Well, it can't be disqualification because Shayna Baszler hasn't had an offensive move against the Shirai. <laughs> so that wouldn't work. As Shirai throws Baszler over barricade into the crowd. <clears throat> Looks like Candice LeRae is getting beaten up by Duke and Shafir. Io Shirai doesn't go to her assistance, instead choosing to keep her attack on Basler, who's now got the upper hand. Until Shirai turns it around and bounces her head off Barry Cade, and Larray's got the better of Duke and Shafir now on the outside. Oh, and Basler sends Shirai into the uh, still Barry Cade as the referees and officials coming down now. And the crowd chant, let them fight, and they're carrying on. And there you have it there, but quite interesting scenes. I mean, don't get me wrong, Shafir and Duke are terrible as a tag team, but Lorraine and Shai with Baszler, I mean, it's an interesting story, but like we saw at TakeOver 25, didn't end the right way. Let's hope there's still a chance to rectify. Well, we get a selfie promo from Velveteen Dream, and the camera is focused on the belt, and he talks about how beautiful and deserving of the spotlight it is. Then swerves to reveal he's talking about himself. He teases the next experience, but dream over. We'll have to wait until the taping results, I guess. We get a quick recap of Gulak Kushida feud as the match is next. And Damien Priest teaser video shown he'll be here next week. So we get Kushida versus Drew Go mission match. So here we go. It was a great match last time round. We get to see Kushida's technical side. Of course, this submission match. It's got in one way. And of course, Ken officiating this match. Oh, my God. And Gulak's got hold of Kushida and the only going. But can't keep him down. They're the waist lock on. So who would your uh, who would your chips be on then in this match, James? I'd maybe say Gulak, but Kashida's been every move for Gulak, so it's a difficult one. But we know him as submission specialist, so Gulak, you know, talks to talk. He's got walk to walk in this one. What about you? Yeah, I, you know, I'd like to favour Drew Gulak. I mean, he's uh, he's starting to make some good waves on NXT. Is it me or is he looking slightly bigger? He is looking slightly bigger. I don't know if he's. Uh, deciding now because he has to, to fight with slightly big guys and NXT to put a bit of weight. I mean, but Gulak, though, it's good that he's featured in 205 Live at the moment and NXT. Where do you want to see him fit more? Do you know, I think NXT probably the best place. I, I think, uh, yeah, for Gulak, he definitely can cut his teeth in NXT. There's no reason why he couldn't make the alley jump up to the main roster, to be mm. honest. I mean, he's got a, a very good gimmick. I think his uh, no-fly kind of zone would work well in WWE, but whether they give it a chance, I doubt it. But we've seen Gulak can play multiple roles as well, whether it be comedy or, or serious as well. So we know he's got that in his locker, you know, in that case. Indeed, yes. And I think Gulak could have a very, very good match against Daniel Bryan. I think that would be good to see. I don't think this, with Kashida, I think what we can see is a, a lot of ability here as well. And as we knew on the independent scene, matches like Zack Sabre Jr. and people like that, you know, he be, might agree a great addition to the roster. Depends how you sell him. And at the moment, I think the Gulak feud is probably the best place for him because, you know, it kind of gives him credibility. Uh, most definitely, yeah. I'd like to see a bit more of Kushida. I'm not, you know, I, th- I think he has got the good talent there. Not 100% fan of his gimmick, but, you know, the gimmick doesn't always make the man. Mm. And he certainly can, like, do his job in the ring. As Gulak's now on a chase for Kushida. Handspring and a kick to the head of Gulak sends him off the edge of the ring. And Gulak a little bit dazed and confused at the moment. Do you know what Kushida's number plate on his car is? Kushida's <clears throat> well, got the arm of Gulak at the moment. Just trying to work him in a position. Gulak should come out in a gimmick as Biff. <laughs> <clears throat> well, Gulak said Biff was the uh, good guy, so 
That would have annoyed Kushida. He needs to have Ric Flair by his side. <laughs> and Kushida got slammed down there. And now Gulak might be going for the gory special. Fucking hell. <laughs> Pending Kushida all the way back. Kushida doing what he can to fight out of it. He's, Gulak's got him tied up in like a package. Kushida managing to roll Gulak through though and escape from it. But you can see the pain he was in and now Gulak on the assault. Hammerlock. It's Kushida's down on the mat. Well, Gulak's been in complete control these past five minutes and uh, his game's been on point. And Kushida's trying to find a way to fight out, but every time, just get tweaked a little bit more. Couple of kicks, gets the break for Kushida though as he comes flying in with a few huge forearms. Irish whip and an arm drag takedown. Second hip toss as Kushida flips through and delivers a lovely drop kick to Gulak as he's on the mat. Kushida with a lovely insiguri as he runs along the edge of the ring apron. Tornado DDT into the cross arm breaker. And now he's got it in and Gulak's in all sorts of trouble. Can he get to the ropes? He gets his the tips of his toes to the ring ropes. Oh, and Gulak taking down again. Here comes Kushida with a kick to the arm. And beautiful transitions by both men there. But Kushida manages to roll through, get the ankle lock submission in. As Gulak picks the ankle of Kushida and gets a heel hook. Now Gulak just stomping down at the back. And Kushida just dragging himself to that bottom rope. Kushida manages to get the rope break. But you've got to think about the damage that's already been done in Gulak, full extent. Both men exchanging kicks and punches on the edge of the ring apron. And now Gulak gets Kushida up on his shoulders. But Kushida manages to roll over the top rope and drag Gulak back into the ring. Now both men just on their knees and exchanging forearm shots. It's been a war of attrition. The upper hand. But Kushida fighting back with all he's got. But runs straight into a drop kick from Gulak. Handspring back elbow though from Kushida. Straight out of Tajiri's playbook. And now a kick straight to the arm of Gulak. Hoverboard lock and Gulak taps out. Oh my god, you can see how dangerous that move is. I mean, the arm was in trouble. Gulak had to tap out. You can see the arm still shaking. What an excellent match that was. Dan, what are your thoughts? Absolutely good. Yeah, again, another two great technicians at the ring. Um, you know, these two guys, alongside Jack Gallagher and Chad Gable, have some fucking amazing matches in the four of them. Without a doubt. Another great match, like you said, made to wrestle, but really entertaining. But well, we go to the Performance Centre parking lot where Vanessa Bourne and Numpf cut a promo. They're disgusted that Mia Yim thinks she's next in line for a title shot. They both say they're more deserving, but they won't step in the ring to prove it until Mia studies up. They got a fashion bible and her English and grammar books for her. And a steel cage match between Io Shirai and Shayna Baszler for the women's title is happening in two weeks. Oh, come on, Io. Bring it home in two weeks. Saw winning Super Showdowns, Battle Royal in his home country and his post-win promo. An undisputed era, a new NXT champ, Adam Cole, will be here next week. But up next, it is the undisputed era, Kyle O'Reilly and Roderick Strong versus Danny Burch and Only Lorkin. Well, I'm only biased here, but this is probably the greatest tag team of all time. Ever. Ever, as Only Lorkin, Danny Burch looked down Roderick Strong and Kyle O'Reilly. And it is Roderick Strong. I wonder what happens to Bobby Fish. More than enough undisputed era out celebrating Adam Cole's title win. Even though this is filmed beforehand. But still, Lorcan and Birch can get a victory here. They'll be put right up there in tag team contention. 
And this was before the ladder match, wasn't it? Because yeah. the state of Carl O'Reilly's back. <laughs> Carl O'Reilly's still with us in this match. Yeah, Carl O'Reilly still owns a back. And what a great ladder match that was, you know, a couple of weeks on from that. Just fantastic effort. All, all eight men putting their bodies on the line. Even Jackson Riker, for fuck's sake, credit to him. Oh, fucking hell yeah. And O'Reilly went to grab a leg and now only Lorcan's trying to fight out. And he's been a busy man as well, been on 205 Live. <clears throat> Him and Drew Gulak must have been travelling a lot together. Yeah. And now O'Reilly with the kicks and the knees in the corner. Working away with some huge lefts and rights. But only Lorcan turns it around, delivers a couple of huge chops. But O'Reilly back again with her punches to the midsection and Lorcan turns it around yet again. And now it's only Lorcan lighting up Kyle O'Reilly. Throws him against the ropes, but gets a shoulder rock takedown. And O'Reilly with a boot to the face to try and stop down the momentum. But Lorcan up with a huge European uppercut. Upper what? Now a boot by O'Reilly, chopped by Lorcan. I reckon these two could have a very good match as well, to be honest. <laughs> these two are destroying each other. Now here comes Strong and Birch. They both <laughs> come in and start wailing away at each other as well. <laughs> well, why do we like Lorcan and Birch? That's why. Sends in... Unspute there outside. And Lorcan <laughs> just throws himself over the top rope, takes down O'Reilly and Strong, throws O'Reilly back into the ring, tags in Danny Birch. And he comes with a clothesline, step up in Seguri, throws him into only Lorcan. An exploder into a knee strike, Danny Birch with a cover, but Roderick Strong in to break it up. And now Birch tags in Lorcan. Birch got Strong, O'Reilly in the other corner. They bounce off each other, sending them into <laughs> their opponents. Strong manages to get out of it, throws Danny Birch into only Lorcan, and then both men get out of the ring. O'Reilly tags in Roderick Strong. Well, let's not forget, you know, as, as Strong comes in, they might not be uh, Fish and O'Reilly's talk normal tag team partners as it was, but let's not forget they were tag team t- champions in their own right for the past year. And the Messiah, the backbreaker in, and just taken out only Lorcan. Roderick Strong tagged in and then gets a knee to Lorcan. Strong sends Lorcan throat first into the bottom rope. Entices Danny Birch in. And now Strong again taking out Lorcan. They're reminding us that on Saturday, August the 10th, they got TakeOver Canada. And on Saturday, November 23rd in Chicago, Illinois, All-State Arena, we have War Games. And of course, we'll bring you them live. We'll be live for the yeah, pre-shows of each one as we get ready and of course takeover NXT takeover Cardiff as well is coming up at the end of August as well oh that's bloody brilliant that is <laughs> what is not brilliant at the moment is only Lorcan being worked on by Undisputed Era looking to get to his tag team partner well Strong now has got only Lorcan and down comes O'Reilly with a knee and they don't look to pin him they just look to hurt at the moment and a palm strikes from O'Reilly well, you've got Handsome O'Reilly's version of the abdominal stretch there made famous by... Uh, Wilbur Schneider. And I'm sure Wilfred Schneebly will be very pleased with the way his move's working out. Oh, he's dead. Anyway, Lorcan got hit, hit the upper guy O'Reilly. O'Reilly up to his feet, though, striking down on Lorcan. Both men with a slugfest in the middle of the ring. O'Reilly went for the guillotine, but Lorcan blocked it with a chop, takes Strong down. Lovely blockbuster as he tags in Danny Birch. But O'Reilly tags Strong in. Huge throw from Birch. 
Schmeichling away with the big right hands. But Danny Birch with a drop kick taking Strong down. Now he's got hold of him. A lovely exploder suplex. Birch nips up to his feet. Punches O'Reilly as he's hanging over the top rope. He's picked up by Strong who throws him into the corner. And uh, O'Reilly gets a tag in. Knee to the, mid lower, well, knee to the midsection of Birch. Who headbutts him in the chest. <laughs> a old-fashioned way. Powerbomb. Goes for the cover. Two. No. Kick out, but straight uh -huh. into a crossface. And O'Reilly desperately trying to fight this. And now Strong's got hold of O'Reilly. Tyson in Danny Birch. O'Reilly, a huge shot to Birch. And O'Reilly there with a very innovative move, a move I've not seen before. Oh, I've never seen any WWE wrestler do it. No, he hit the rope and then hit the suplex, chopped to Birch as O'Reilly suplexes him to... No. No, Larkin sends O'Reilly on top of Strong, who was covering Birch. Well, that stops it all, and all four men are down in a great match. Now all four men back to their feet. And Birch and Larkin just say, come on, bring it. O'Reilly and Strong with the strikes. But they respond. O'Reilly went for Birch. Larkin hit Riley. Oh, shit. And a combo on Larkin. And they both turn their attentions to Danny Birch. And a knee and a forearm smash combo on Birch. Now Jackson Riker's making his way down to ring. Well, he won't be forgotten and the officials can't really stop him. As he throws officials, chokeslams one. Throws one up the ramp. Oh, Birch throws O'Reilly into strong, rolls him up to... Three! And Birch gets the <laughs> pinfall on O'Reilly. <laughs> well, there you go. Birkin and Birch <laughs> with a victory. Well, thanks in part to Riker. The Undisputed Era aren't happy. And the Forgotten Sun's still involved as well. So the NXT Tag Team titles held by the Street Profits, by the same teams. Give me a rematch of that ladder. Well, I don't know what you think. I think I'll be, you know. Yeah. <laughs> and Robbie Brookside's down and uh, he's trying to get Jackson Riker back to the back. No, but what a great match, Dan. What are your thoughts on that? Absolutely brilliant match. Again, yeah, two great teams that, you know, despite them being Undisputed Era... I like seeing them in this kind of right environment where no one's getting involved and it's just, you know, them going against another team. Without doubt. So, O's, oh, but with NXT back to normal tapings, we'll be back to normal next month. But first, a mini spoiler. A mini spoiler. Well, over the last few months, one of the biggest problems WWE has faced is getting wrestlers on television. There are all kinds of wrestlers, including champions, who are lucky to get on television once or twice a month, if even that often. It becomes a problem when the roster is so big, yet NXT has somehow managed to solve the problem in a single night of tapings. Well, at NXT tapings, General Manager William Regal announced a new tournament called the Breakout Tournament, which will feature eight wrestlers who have never appeared on NXT TV. The winner of the tournament will be allowed to challenge for any NXT title of their choosing. This tournament is also noteworthy as it will include a variety of new signings who will be appearing under the new names. Here are the brackets with the new and old names included. So you've got Jordan Miles, who was ACH, going against Boa. You've got Izzy Swerve Scott, who's Shane Strickland, versus Cameron Grimes, Trevor Lee. Sun Reed, who's Jonah Rock, going against Dexter Loomis, Samuel Shaw. You know that Bronson Reed? Yeah. Do you know why it's Bronson Reed? Why? Do you know? Chopper. Charles oh, Bronson. yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, And Mark Reed. Oh, yeah. Because well. he's Australian. Well, you've got Angel Garza, who was Garza Jr., 
Going against Joking Wild, who was DJZ. Okay, so that is the thing. So who are we going to pick, Dan, out of them? Who are you going to go for? Bonus uh, point on the line. I'm going to go for Trevor Lee. Trevor Lee, yeah. And uh, any reason why you're going for him for? Uh, he's the only person I've seen wrestle. I thought he was great uh, in Impact. Um, as he was kind of like the caveman Trevor Lee. Uh, and so, yeah, I'm going to go with what you know. Well, I'm going to go for ACH, Jordan Miles now. He has some great times in the... Um, oh, the yeah, combine. He has some great scores in the combine, uh, especially for the young man like that. And I've seen a bit of him in the independent scene. That's who's our, my pick for. And of course, we'll find out in the next couple of months who will win that tournament. And it's now time for the main event. Yes, it is the main event now, and it is NXT UK. And we start off with episode 44, May 22nd. The show are recapping Walter's WWE UK title win at NXT TakeOver New York. And qualify a match for a number one contendership fatal four-way. Travis Banks pinned Joseph Connors after the Kiwi Crusher at 8 minutes 22 seconds. Banks took Connors down right away with a waist lock takedown and kept working him over. Banks sent Connors to the outside but got caught when he followed him out and was slammed into the steel steps at ringside. From that point on, Connors took over, scoring a few near falls and submission attempts. Banks finally came back when he kicked a corner charge. Then he followed up with double knees to the back of Connors' head and dived to ringside. Connors came back with a springboard DDT and the two traded near falls in quick succession. Banks finally hit a slice of heaven, followed up with a Kiwi crush out for the win. Well, Radzi interviewed Banks after the match and asked him about his chances. He talked about a past scuffles with Joe Coffey and Jordan Devlin and said Dave Mastiff was really big. Banks said he'll become the new number one contender. Nina Samuels talked about Tony Storm, saying that Storm easy victim to manipulate. That it was that it was easy to get a title match, and Storm was the newest cast member of the Nina Samuels show. Samuels said Storm had lost all control and talked about. All the congratulations her fan had, fans had sent her. Well, Samuel said her crowning achievement would be the NXT UK Women's Championship. The two meet next week. Another graphic plug tonight's Walter versus Dunn main event. And we look uh, take a look at the Mark Andrews versus Niall Darmigo with Dar injuring his knee and both of them getting stretched out. So it is Noam Dar versus Mark Andrews. So this is the rematch. And like I said, it was a reverse Hurricane Runner attempt. Manju's went to and Dar buckled from under him but it was a great match up until then these are two guys that have a really big future I feel in NXT UK no pinky no party and Andrew's offering the hand and Dar accepting it that's nice to see there a bit of mutual respect I call now we're top to start and Dar back in Manju's up in the corner but a clean break and Dar giving Andrew's the little finger as he walks away it sounds really Scottish when they chant no pinky, no party. No pinky, no party. <laughs> Two men displaying a good bit of chain wrestling there as it ends in another stalemate. And now Andrews grabs a side headlock. Dar looking to throw him off. Jumps underneath and Andrews flips all the way over, lands on his feet. 
The lovely Hesses has takedown as Mandrews nips up. It's a standing moonsault for the cover. Two. No, only a two count for Andrews. Darle might not be 100%. Talk about the injury that he sustained. And at this moment in time, Mandrews working the arm over. Had a submission. Darle managing to get to his feet. Irish whip. And Darle just drops to the mat. Andrews goes on top of him. And now Darle just spinning Andrews around. Discombobulates him. Goes for the cover. But Mandrews gets his shoulder up at two. Two. And now it's Darle grabs the arm of Andrews. Got an armbar, but Andrews manages to turn it around, get up to his feet. And again, a clean break in the corner as Andrews comes out of a huge forearm to the jaw. Dar catches the foot, but Andrews hits him with an insiguri, goes up top. It looks like a 450 off the second rope, but Dar manages to avoid it. Catches a step up an insiguri attempt from Andrews, gets straight into the ankle lock, but Andrews rolls through. And Dar with a bicycle kick straight to the jaw. Into the cover, but a kick out for Andrews. Oh. You can see these two men, they can really turn it up and go another level as well, you know, if, if given a chance. Now Dar looking to end things on Mandrews. Andrews in his sights, comes charging in, but Andrews rolls him up. Two, no, just a two count. Two. Andrews slides underneath, ducks a clothesline to the back of the head attempt, catches him with a step up in Seguri. Comes flying off the ropes, but Dar straight to the throat, to the midsection, and a huge uppercut to follow it up. And now Mandrews on Dream Street as Dar grabs hold of him. Oh! Oh, but Andrews turns it into the stunner. Now Dar rolls to the outside of the ring. Andrews flies over the top rope, takes out Dar. And Dar's in all sorts of troubles, and there's a bit in trouble with that leg as well as he's pushing Andrews away. Oh, fucking hell, not again. Well, we saw what happened last time. He's now Amdar just playing possum, though. Hello, possums. Well, he's doing his best to get up to his feet. Oh, no, wait a minute. Amdar, though, drops straight to the mat. Andrews comes checking up on him. They're talking through what happened. Off in a hand, handshake there, and nothing you can do, really. Referee's going to have to stop this. Oh. No, Amdar was playing possum all along, and he's saying he's just reeled him hook, <laughs> line, and sinker. And. Now he's looking to put Andrews away. He's going to go for the Nova Roller. Hits it. One, <laughs> two, three. <laughs> well, Noam Dahl wins here. And a uh, big victory and uh, underhanded means, but I, th- I think any means necessary. And it's a different side to Dahl. And I think it starts a feud with Andrews. Dan, what are your thoughts on the match? Um, yeah, again, it was a great match. It's a, it's a good, innovative way of finishing this and keeping the feud going as well because I know these two guys having matches together is very hot. Yeah, without a doubt. Great things here on NXT UK. It's only going to get even better soon. Well, Radzi interviewed the Grizzled Young Vets as they entered the arena. Zach Gibson said he was sure every Scottish indie wrestler wanted a title match, but they don't make matches and neither do the fans. He said they'll defend the titles whenever they feel like it. Well, Nigel McGuinness and Vic Joseph were shown and talked about how people are really excited for the main event. And we get a Rhea Ripley in-ring promo. She comes out and says she knows how everyone wants to see her in action, but it's not going to happen. She said Piper Niven is supposedly a big deal in Scotland, but to her, Niven is just a wannabe superstar that reeks of fear. She says when Niven steps into the ring with her, nightmares will become reality. Sono found a cameraman backstage and took him to meet Johnny Saint and Skid Scala. 
He called Scarlett Sid Justice and Savvy Sid and asked for news. Scarlett said they were about to talk to him about that later. They said Ono wouldn't take on Jack Hagger next week. Ono seemed happy about the match. A split screen showed Walter and Dunn preparing for their match backstage. And a graphic plus Storms defending the NXT UK Women's title against Samuels in next week's main event. So here we go, NXT UK title on the line. And it is weird seeing Pete Dunn come out here without the NXT title in his mouth, isn't it? You know? He does look very naked without it. Um, but Voltaire, I think he stood up to the challenge of being the champ. So we'll see how things go between these two. Yeah, and like I said, Pete Dunn has to face this man. has arrived and Pete Dunn has maintained his gaze throughout. Do you think Pete Dunn could get the job done if it Walter's just got his number? Sometimes we've seen that, haven't we? Yeah, I think um, Walter is kind of the only obstacle that Pete Dunn can't overcome at this moment in time. You know, it's uh, there's always one bogey opponent and I think, you know, for Pete Dunn that is definitely going to be Walter. Maybe, you know, he needs to wait for someone to beat Walter and then beat him for his title back well this is the thing we saw Jordan Devlin give it a good shot against Walter in the past and Pete Dunne who held that title for so long in an absolute war at takeover that's the job done you've got to wonder what's the feelings going into this one is if he really feels he can beat him because we haven't really seen the ring general in real trouble have we yet you know well the closest he came was obviously against Pete Dunne I think Jordan Devlin has given it the second best go we've seen but aside from that no you know he's not really had Many challenges. Um, without a doubt, this is the biggest match in history. On you know, we're getting it basically not a takeover. We're getting it on just a standard episode, and this is what it's all about. And I've been I've been waiting for this rematch for so long. Will it live up to their first match though? I don't know. The thing is, I loved their first match. You know, I thought it was an absolute classic. So it's going to be difficult. But if anybody can, well, Pete Dunne doesn't have bad matches. But like you said. I don't know what Walter's going to do in this match because it's going to be a different side to him. He's not to Pete Dunne. He can let Pete Dunne come for him now. It's weird that the champions changed round. So we might see a different Pete Dunne that we did. We know how Pete Dunne, how aggressive he was when he was going against Tyler Bate for the championship. Well, I lock up a bit of a test of strength and Pete Dunne knows exactly how to hurt Walter. You know, he's starting off strong, going for the joint manipulation in the hands and just big man down, I suppose. I think that's the best strategy at this point in time, you know try and take away some of the offence from Walter as well. We now have dangerous the chops are, you know, send people to hospital. So if Duncan maybe do a little bit of damage on the hand and arm, and I think maybe Walter's thinking the same thing of trying to keep Dunn down. But he's never going to be able to out-wrestle Pete Dunn. He's going to have to outpower him. And this is the thing, this is what Pete Dunn's proven, that you have to be at your very best if you want to get one over on him. And that's what he loses, you know. And the crowd's showing their appreciation for this action. 
and this is how every match should really start, you know what I mean? Like, even to get the kind of trying to just out-wrestle Tester Strength. Well, Dunn's planted uh, Walter's hand to the floor. He's standing on it, and he's just manipulating the other arm. He's just... Oh, trying to do a bit of serious harm to Walter's hand there. Bent it back and looking to stand on the elbow, but Walter out of the way, looking for a chop, and Pete Dunn backs away into the corner or cowers away into the corner, would you well, say? Uh, well, I'd, I'd say back, because if I, if I say he cowers, he might come after me then. Uh, but you can see these two men have, have definitely looked at each other and studied the other one and knows what the colour, the best moves that they each use and they're going to try and avoid it as much as they can. But I, I, I can't see either man avoiding it when each ma- you're going to give it the rule in this match anyway. Should this match be on the NXT TakeOver card? I, I would rather have it on the TakeOver card than uh, a couple of matches that are on there, to be fair. I think it's, for me, it's as big as, as anything at the moment. You know, it's what I'm most excited about as well. But then, you know, having this match on NXT UK, do you think it'll bring more eyes of the amazing battle on NXT pay-per-view and then thought, fuck me, you know, these two guys going at it again, definitely worth a watch. I'm going to switch over and have a look. Yeah, I think without a doubt, you know, it, it helps out that it's on the network and, you know, maybe if Raw and SmackDown aren't as good as they have been, like I said, you can tune into this and get a real pleasant surprise if you don't know what you're expecting. But with these two, I think they're so good you can even have a Money in the Bank kick-off show and explain the story there, you know, in a weird way. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Well, there is, you know, there is a reason why we go more into depth on NXT UK, 205 Live and NXT over Raw and SmackDown nowadays. It's because they're such a better product. Without a shadow of a doubt. And they're Pete Dunn with a leapfrog and they're managing to grab the leg of Walter. And it gives him a leg whip and Dunn smells blood in the water. And he's going straight after Volta on the outside. Ooh. He's caught with a chop and drop to the floor, though. I think he chopped his nipple off. <laughs> well, that's an extremely dangerous move. So we know that Triple H is kind of like the higher up in NXT. Who is the Triple H equivalent in NXT UK? It might be Triple H. I don't know who is calling the shots, but I would assume. <sighs> oh, well, Walter looking to go and chop Pete down across the chest. Um, Pete... Ducks out the way, Walter hits the ring post, and I think he's actually dented it. And now he's got him on the ring steps. Well, the ring general is no match for the ring steps. And you see he might have broken his wrist or his fingers there, he's done. Who knows all about the joint manipulation, is going to go to work. I mean, there's one thing, as, as Dunn goes to the attack, it's credit to Triple H, you know, who's backstage at most of the tapings, well, backstage for all the tapings for NXT and NXT UK. And he's given us a product that the fans are appreciative too, you know. So you, you've got to say he's that we have a go at him about, at least to have a position where we can watch these two guys go at it in a war that they are at the moment, you know. So credit to that. He's walking with a big boot sending Dunn down. Both men still on the outside. But they keep rolling into the ring, breaking the count. But they're doing it very intelligently. No, they don't just get like a half hour on the outside for no explained reason. They're actually, you know, telling... The correct story. And it's really annoying me that Walter's got his tag hanging out of his <laughs> trunk. So I've noticed it for the past five minutes now. And I just want to go out there and tuck it in. Well, Walter's destroying Pete Dunn. Drop kick right into Barry Cade. And now drags him to the ring steps. Going draped back first over the ring steps and just putting his foot across the throat. Now Walter's just standing back, letting Pete Dunn get back into the ring. There you go. Walter's sorted himself out as well. And just come back with a big boot to Dunn. And Dunn, though, he's not down. Just seems annoyed by it. Again, is Pete Dunn annoyed at what Walter's doing? Or is he just annoyed at himself uh, 
not being in control of the match. I think it's a bit of both. The thing I like about Dunn is that, you know, when he gets hit, he just bites down on that gum shield and keeps carrying on. And again, you know, we'll attack Pete. He grabs his hand and just starts separating the fingers. Uh, he gets eventually hit with a chop, but Pete's still hanging on in there. And Walter checking his hand after that as well. You've got to think the damage that's been done on that, even using it as an offensive move. Yeah. And Dunn getting kicked, but again... Just seeming to ask for more now. He can bust up the ribs, cause internal bleeding. Goes for a knee to the back, but then he gets a one. One. We say there's a few wrestlers that they're better when they're going for titles. I think Pete Dunne clearly looks better when he's got the title. Well, this is the thing at the moment, isn't it, that we're seeing. And if, if Walwick can be as good as champion as Dunne, you talk about great someone like Bret Hart who carried himself as a champion. I see that with Pete Dunne as well. They can't even like similar performances... In the ring. Walter has been dominating, but he might be annoying done a little bit. But I don't see, you know, a great champion as someone who holds on to it for a long, long time. I think, you know, he has great matches while he's champion. And, you know, he, it's, I don't know, it's hard to explain with Pete Dunne. Because obviously, you know, he's held on to it for nearly two years. The belt doesn't make the man, the man makes the title. Yeah. And, and that's what we see with great champions, you know, in the past. As done now, trying to build up ahead of speed. Backflips out the corner, hits a step up in Seguri, and you can see him fired up for this one now. Perched on the second, drop kick goes down low to the knee. Looking for a kick, gets caught by Walter, so he hits him in the jaw with a straight right. And just goes picking that leg. Got the knee bar locked in. I'll be surprised if a man submitted. You see Walter just turning done around then. Looking for a German suplex. Pete lands on his feet and just kicks Walter across the side of the neck. Pete Dunne's got a version of the abdominal stretch on. I wonder who that was made famous by. Oh, made famous by Wilbur Schneider, who put the move on first in 1935 against Volta's grandfather. Anyway, I'll have to cut you off there because uh, Pete Dunne is doing a bit of joint manipulation. I, I do in, enjoy hearing your uh, in-detail story there. Oh, wait a minute. Crucifix by Dunne, but Walter only down for two. Two. And Dunn used that wrist tape there, like I said, to get out of the submission. Well, finger tape, actually, I think you'll find. Sorry to correct you there, James. You know <laughs> I love doing it. But it was finger tape, not wrist. And Dunn now looking over at Walter. I'm seeing he's still in this match. Oh, stomps on the backs of both hands of Walter and then a kick to the head, just for good measure. Well, now Dunn might be looking to end things here. No, Walter with a knee to the jaw and a huge clothesline, getting his way out of it. Well, Dunn thought it was a better end, but Walter can see the end now. Holding on to the extra UK titles, he comes running into Dunn. Oh, but he runs into a huge forearm, catches Dunn with an exploder. Cover to... No. Pete managing to kick out. Oh. And Walter now just keeps on the offence. No time to let Dunn recover. And he turns around now. A Boston Crab locked in. And Dunn's wondering how to get out of this, trying to turn him. Manages to roll it through. A few kicks to the jaw from Dunn. Well, they are vicious up kicks as they take Walter out. And then a huge <laughs> kick. And now Pete Dunn just holding the hands and stomping away at the jaw and neck of Walter. Rolls him through. Got another submission in. He say, yeah, Walter won't tap out, but this agony is going to wear him down. Without a doubt, he might break. And I think there's no doubt about it, but I still can't see either of these men giving up on what it means the most. You can see... How much they're fighting in this one, what we've seen before, and what it means to be NXT UK champion. And Walter managing to use that frame to get to that bottom rope. I think they've definitely chosen the right guys to be champion in 
you know, the NXT UK champion. I think these two guys are as good as anything we've got. Well, no, you know, even roster. going back as to Tyler Bate, you know, these three guys, they've held the title well. You know, the wars that Bate and Dunn had, and now, you know, the wars that Dunn's had keeping hold of the title now in their war for the title. Well, now Dunn's got Walter's arm. He's pulling it into that top turnbuckle. He just stands on it with all his weight. Oh, but Walter with a huge clothesline just clubbing against the chest of Dunn. Knocks him back. But Pete Dunn again going for the hands. A beautiful super kick. And, and I think Dunn knows now how dangerous Walter is, especially in this position here, because this is how it all ended. It's a powerbomb and a splash off the top. And I think Dunn wants to avoid this as much as he can. And Dunn's on top. And oh, my God. He's trying to triangle from the top. Well, he'll only be able to hold on to it for five seconds. Oh, Walter looking for the powerbomb, Dunsteiner, but only a two count on the cover. Two. Well, how close was that? And Dunn had learned from his mistake before. We don't see him busting out Hurricane Runner very often. He gets chopped from behind. But Walter is the walking wounded at the moment, the knee and the right hand. So if he goes for one of his thunderous chops, do you reckon he's going to hurt himself? <laughs> yeah, I think it's a risk he's willing to take. Oh, as he delivers a chop, not one of his strongest, but still effective. Looking for a German, Dunn holds on to the top rope. Standing switch, delivers one to Walter. Oh, my God. For and Walter up and clotheslines Pete Dunn inside out, straight into the cover, but only a two count. Two. Well, that German suplex seemed to power up Walter into that clothesline. <laughs> He's got to be careful. And, uh oh, we've seen this. But Walter's a bit spent, unable to make it up as quickly as he'd like. He's put Dunn away with this before. Oh! Jumps straight off into a huge forearm from Dunn. Into the bitter end. Hits, Hits it. it. Turn him up. Walter's up before Dunn. Straight into the triangle though, but round into a cover. And Dunn maybe can't, doesn't think he can get Walter down for the free, but he's got the hand now. And he's ripping away at the fingers and we've seen people submit with this before. Who's this? This could be Dunn. Is that Fabian Eitner? It is. What's Eitner doing here? Pushing the bottom rope towards Walter's foot. Oh, if he's having a word. And what the fuck is going on? Dunn had the NXT title one in my eyes there. Here's Barcel. What? With the title from behind. Well, referee didn't see it. Dunn may be out. Powerbomb. Rolls him up. Two, Two three. three. Well, Walter retains the NXT UK title, but under shady circumstances. Well, did Walter... Know that he wasn't going to be able to beat Pete Dunn straight up for the second time, so he had to incorporate some help Eichner and Barthel. No, I didn't even know these guys were friends. Maybe did Walter even know they were going to come out here and help? Well, an Austrian, a German, and an Italian walk into a bar, <laughs> and they come up with a plan to beat Pete Dunn. They screw in at you Englishman out of the NXT UK title, and you ask what's next for Pete Dunn. Well, that wasn't a clean defeat moment. We're going to find out what's happening here first. Well, the crowd are booing. He's got his hat. He's got the belt. Over his shoulder. And Dan, they were in cahoots. I can fell. A team of Walter. Some shenanigans going on here. Pete Dunn is out. Dunn has got unfinished business with these three men. They'll be hell to pay in NXT UK. But Dan, what are your thoughts on that? Well, it's certainly left it open. And I wonder who Pete Dunn could possibly team with <laughs> to overcome... These three guys, I mean, you know, it would take a couple of uh, big, strong boys to help him out, I think. Again, it's perfect storytelling when you think about what they're going to do if Dunn loses cleanly. So they made balls with that. You've got that kind of 
feud coming in now with Mustache Mountain. It just makes it seem more and more exciting as well. I think an excellent match between the two. I don't think it's on the level of their takeover match. No, but it, you know, in all circumstances, it wasn't meant to. It was kind of meant to open up Barcel and Eichner and bring Mustache Mountain mm. into this and see uh, and have some great six-man tag matches, I suppose. Yeah, without a doubt. And it is... Uh, well, it's, it's it's a great thing, and I love NXT UK at the moment. You know, it is one of my favourite things. So we move on to our next episode, and what a shocking conclusion that was! There, uh, I can't believe Eichner and Barthel would get involved, and we're going to find out right now why. Because it's episode forty-five, the 29th of May, and we start off with a recap of last week's United Kingdom Championship match and the formation of Walter Barthel and Eichner. Well, Walter, Barthel and I, NXT UK audience, saying that they are here to lead you to a better NXT UK. They also announced themselves as Imperium. Oh, Imperium are here. And I, and I can't believe Walter would, would do this to help of Eichner and Barthel. A man who was getting cheered just a, a couple of weeks ago, now getting booed out of the building. I don't know if he even like the entrance anymore now because of what he's done. I think this just shows with Imperium being formed that... He can't beat Pete Dunne. Oh! But that just brings out a very pissed off Pete Dunne. Well, Walter's got to think about what he's done. And here's Pete. Done. And he wants retribution. But it's three on one at the moment. No, it's not. Because British Strong Style are here to back up Pete Dunne. Oh, my God. Walter's taking off the belt and the jacket. It's going to be a fight. And even team seems to be backing down at the moment. <laughs> but Chuck, this is awesome. And this is awesome. And here we go. All six men <laughs> facing off against each other. All hell's broken loose in the ring. Uh, Walter and Pete Dunn. But Dunn's getting the better of Walter at the moment. And bait fighting Eichner. Taking the cameraman out. <laughs> oh, fucking hell. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Shit's going down. This is actually quite... <laughs> <clears throat> well, camera's going crazy. The fight's going on. Oh, my God. Is there only one camera in the whole building? Well, it seemed that way there. Wow, what a way to start. Oh, my God. Well, Sid Scala tells Radzi that Imperium and British Strongstar will face off in two weeks. Oh, my God, I cannot wait for that. And, of course, don't forget, next week we've got the Fate of 4-Way number contender match as well. Uh, but next we've got Gallus and Mark Coffey and Wolfgang defeating Team White Wolf, Carlos Romo and Akid via Pinfall. Uh, Radzi Arcia Brookside about Ginny and Jazzy Gaber attacking her. Is the Dawn offered to team with Ziz them in a few? Or Joshua Connors challenge Easier Dragunov to a match. And Cassius Ono over Jack Gallagher via pinfall, even though Gallagher's foot was underneath the rope. Yeah, but shenanigans there. I call for a rematch. And then we get Piper Niven telling reporters that that she came to fight, not to talk, and she would face Ray Ripley if she was up for it. Oh my God, she came here to beat. Well. NXT UK Pony Storm versus Nina Samuels is our main event for this week's episode. Yeah, and I'll tell you what, I love NXT UK. I mean, we've got the title picture at the moment. We know we've got Imperium versus British Strong Style in a couple of weeks. And now we get to see Tony Storm in action as well. Well, I think it's been a great women's champion, you know. And I know you've been a huge fan since day one. So you've got your smug look on your fucking face. And I'm sick of it. Since the day I picked her. No, even before that, in the previous, no. uh, you know, parts of Mae Young, and she is just such a great character. But can uh, Nina Samuels, you know, take her shot here tonight? <laughs> so NXT UK Women's Championship on the line, and I think NXT UK is one of the strongest around. 
when you consider the talent where we've got like Piper Niven, you've got Rhea Ripley, of course, and a Kaylee Ray. Jazzy Gaybert's just came into it. Nina Samuels, of course. You like Andy Floss, I know you do. Um, uh, but a good, you know, quite a strong division. Well, it's not only like the strength of it, but it is the way it's getting utilised and used properly. You know, it's uh, we could have had Tony Storm versus Rhea Ripley for the next 10 months, but we haven't. You know, we've got Tony Storm going up against new oncomers and challengers for a title as well, which is great. Um, and, you know, they're getting screen time as well. Yeah. Whereas across other divisions like Raw and SmackDown, the women's, you know, it's kind of not being used properly. They've got an abundance of talent, but it's mainly pushed to the backside. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you there. As Samuels in the early going, Shoney Storm, like, she can compete with the best. And let's not forget Storm is the best at the moment in NXT UK. Well, she might be the best in WWE. Well, I'd I'll be interested in the Worlds Collide tournament with the the women's involved, and yeah, you back Tony Storm in that one. Well, I think you know something like um, oh, what's that? Night, I think Night of Champions would be good, but with the UK Women's Champion, the NXT Women's Champion, Raw and SmackDown Women's Champion, and they're like you know just going. You could have Walter, Adam Cole, Kofi, and Seth Rollins in a match. Yeah, that would be fucking shit hot, wouldn't it? Really. <clears throat> And Tony Storm with a drop kick there, taking Samuels down, going for the cover, but only getting a two. Two. And you can see how confident Tony Storm is being as champion. Try back to a huge uppercuts, drops Samuels, but a cover only gets two. Two. The crowd definitely behind Tony Storm as well, no matter what she's doing. And forearm shots to Samuels, but Samuels weathered the storm. He came out with. He used that joke once every match to Tony Storm. And then just clubbing blows down on Tony, taking her to the ropes. Now just stretching her out. Drop kick to the back, goes for the cover, but no. St- ah, well, that's one thing we've noticed about Tony Storm throughout the majority of the matches. She spends all the time getting beaten down. <laughs> she actually takes all the punishment in and finally gets her uh, her victory right towards the end. Well, she wouldn't get it at the beginning, would she? Yeah, be a bit of a silly match, match then, wouldn't it? Yeah, a short one. <laughs> oh. But you know what I mean. Yeah, I know what you mean. And Samuel's working down Storm, slams her head down. Snapmare takedown, and now Samuels takes the neck off. What? It's a blockbuster. Goes for the cover, but Storm managing to kick out. Uh, just clubbing blows to the back from Samuels. The Storm struggles to get her way back to her feet. Now Storm, huge forearm shots. A drop tie hold sends Storm's head into the second turnbuckle, and Samuels regains control. She rolls her up for a cover, but only a two count. Two. Now Samuels looking to put Storm away, but comes right into a kick. On the bottom rope, jumps over Nina Samuels. Ducks underneath a clothesline attempt from Samuels, but gets caught with a back elbow, sends her back into the corner. Samuels comes charging in. Storm net, jumps over the ropes. Oh, a German release. Like a shining wizard there to the side of the head. And now, looking for Storm Zero, but Samuels escapes it. Well, Storm's got the STF in, and... Looked like Samuels might have tapped in accidentally, maybe reaching out. But it's been all Tony Storm recently. Uh, she drags herself and Storm to the bottom rope to get the break. Both women on the edge of the ring apron there in a very precarious position. She looking for Storm Zero on the edge of the ring? No. Samuels gets her up to the shoulders, but Storm lands in the ring. She gets caught with a kick to the head. Samuels springs over the top rope to... No, Storm with a kick out. Oh, Lovely corkscrew there, but couldn't get the job done. But wearing Tony Storm down. You have to say this with Tony Storm, you know, whether she intends to do it or not, but she puts her opponent over as a very good wrestler mm-hmm. during matches. 
And I think that shows a, a good wrestler as well, you know, with Storm. She's confident enough in her abilities to give something to someone else and yeah. not be worried to be taken away. Because she could be like one of these dominant wrestlers, but no, you know, her opponent does get in a lot of good mm. offence and it doesn't kind of discredit what Storm can do as she <laughs> yeah. headbutts Samuels in the chest and just falls on top of her in the cover, but Samuels managing to kick out. Uh, it's just entertaining as well. And like you said, it brings it out the opponent. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, Storm might be looking for a suplex, but Samuels blocks it. Storm catches her again from behind. German with a bridge out for the cut. No, only a two. Two. And Storm might be struggling after delivering the headbutt. <laughs> Both women looking to be struggling at the moment as Storm goes over Samuels, but gets rolled up. Storm managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two. And now Samuels, what's she going for? He's got her up. Oh. Up like a Storm Zero, but down into a backbreaker for the cover, but a two count. Oh, two. And now Samuels might be getting a little bit frustrated, but Storm looks a bit out of it at the moment. As Nina's going up to the top rope. It is the biggest opportunity of her career. Storm comes up, catch her with a headbutt. Well, Storm got sent all the way down, and Samuels now off the top. Seated dropkick takes Tony down. Oh my god, a crumpled Storm with that. Cover. And Storm managing to get the shoulder up at two. Two! And then Samuels' face. That's quite funny there, visual. Samuels with a primal scream there. She gets so annoyed that she can't put Tony away. She picks up Tony by her hair. She delivers another headbutt to the chest. Suplex. Not once, but twice. And now Storm. Storm zero. One, two, three. And just like that, Tony retains her title. Well, well done, Tony Storm. Gets the victory. And Nina Samuels looked great in that as well, going along with Tony Storm. Dan, what are your thoughts on the match? Yeah, again, um... Absolutely great, whether it was Tony Storm helping put Nina Samuels over or, you know, just doing what she does in the ring. Tony Storm is making a brilliant champion, you know, however you look at it. Without a doubt, and a great title defence in the women's division, like I said, is heating up in NXT UK. We're on our next episode, June 5th, and it's episode, sorry, it's episode 46. Well, we're still in Glasgow, and it's another big night with a fatal four-way to crown a new number one contender. That's quite the interesting match, and most of the people involved are conceivable winners. Other than that, we have now Imperium looming over the rest of the roster, and that could get interesting in a hurry. So, James, let's get it on. Well, the opening video looks at the four-way and how all four, Joe Coffey, Jordan Devlin, Dave Mastiff, and Travis Banks, qualified. Well, we get the opening sequence, and the first match is the the Hunt versus Tyson, T-Bone, and Saxon Huxley. Yeah, Mojo's not in action. I'd hope T-Bone and Huxley had fallen in a hole somewhere. Huxley can't do much with Wild Boar, who growls at him and then fires us some forearms. And for see a breather, and it's off to T-Bone versus Wild Boar in a match that sounds like it's out of a wrestling video game made by people who don't watch wrestling. Well, Vic said, T-Bone and Huxley have become quite the team over the last few months. I don't even remember the last time TV. Well, Boar gets over for the tag, though, and it's Primate coming in for some screaming. A cannibal to Huxley brings Boar back in for a powerbomb slash German suplex combo, followed by a double swan dive for the play at 3 minutes 41. Well, the Hunt is a team that could be a solid mid-card addition, so more than cool around and beat a team like T-Bone and Huxley. They kept this quick because a team like the Hunt isn't going to be the most intriguing in a longer match, so everything worked out fine here. Well, post-match, Wolfgang and Mark Coffey come out and jump the Hunt. Wolfgang goes over to commentary to yell at Nigel as a hunt is left laying. Our next match is Kaylee Ray versus Casey Owens. 
It's a bit of an odd thing to hear. Ray is billed as the ICW Women's Champion. The fans chant ICW as Ray forearms away to start, but charges into a boot in the corner. Owens over the top rope armbar is blocked with a kick to the back and a drop kick makes it. Owens gets in some strikes of her own but misses a running kick and gets slapped in the chest. A gory bomb finishes Owens at 3.57. Ray's another name who come a force in the division and be a rather strong challenger against Tony Storm down the line. There are a lot of names who have come top level performers in the division and Ray already side of it. Just keep going like this and we'll see where she can go. We get a video on Imperium, who want to destroy British Strong Style. And then we get a video on Jazzy Gaybert destroying Z- Zia Brookside last week. Ginny says she got Jazzy to help her because she paid her off. She could either fight Jazzy or befriend her because Ginny is more than just a pretty face. Well, here the grizzled young veterans with something to say. Zach Gibson was told not to come out here, but he has something to say. They are the first NXT UK Tag Team Champions. And now they're having to defend their titles at the Download Festival. Is this a rib, said Gibson? Johnny Saint wants Gibson to walk through an ugly field in his custom boots to defend these titles while a whole bands like Slipknot ruin music. They are the NXT UK Tag Team Champions, so they need some respect. If they're unhappy, the rest of the locker room will be unhappy. That's bad for morale, so old man Saint needs to figure it out. And Mustache Mountain are in Men's Health UK. And next week, British Strong Style versus Imperial. Well, we get the main event, which is Jordan Devlin versus Dave Mastiff versus Travis Banks versus Joe Coffey. My God. So who are you backing here to be the new number one contender? I am backing Dave the Bomber Mastiff. Yeah, no, I've got to say, um, I don't normally agree with you, but I think Mastiff, he's, he's looked brilliant here on NXT UK. Of course, he's undefeated streak. We've seen the, the others, apart from Travis Bank, Jordan Devlin challenge uh, Walter come up short. And of course, Joe Coffey might be an interesting shout. But I think Travis Banks here is a real wild card. Didn't Joe Coffey get beaten by Walter? Or was it Mark Coffey? Right, Mark Coffey. And now Banks going right after Devlin. Of course, they've got history going back to the very first takeover. And these two men fight their way to the outside. And Mastiff and Coffey start get things going <laughs> as they just shoulder barge into each other. And I think... Uh, Slightly got the better one of them. And these two big men. Here we go again. Two men charging into each other and both falling out of the ring at opposite ends. Well, they land on their feet and have another stare down. Oh, my God. They look set to go charging towards again. <laughs> and both men just stalemating it. Like two monster trucks. And again, for the fourth or fifth time, these two guys have come together. Travis Banks goes after Dave Mastiff, gets caught and thrown into barricade. And again, they shoulder block each other. Devlin goes into Coffey, but just gets swiped to the side. And this time, Coffey jumps over Mastiff. And a double cross body, and both men are down. And all four men are just down on the outside on them wafer-thin mats. Uh, That's what NXT UK is all about. Any of these four men would be a great opponent for Walter. Apart from... I still remember the time that we just walked straight past Jordan Devlin. If only we knew he'd become a star... Well, Travis, we cared. Travis Banks takes out Kofi and Devlin <laughs> takes out Mastiff. And again, these two men lock eyes across the ring. Both charge into the ring and Banks takes down Devlin with a fez press and just starts wading away at him. Now, a huge chop to Devlin and Kofi back in. He gets caught with a chop and now it's Banks with the kicks. Taking control of Devlin and Kofi. <laughs> Devlin with a forearm hits Kofi accidentally. I think it's caught with a German release. And Travis Banks goes charging towards both men, uppercutting them in the corner. No, I don't think I've seen Travis Banks look 
as good as this. Oh, and Banks trips Devlin as he runs towards him. Sends him head first into Coffee's nads. <laughs> and now but... Mastiff's in the ring. Big Dave and a German suplex. Oh. And then another release one. Coffee <clears throat> sends him sternum first into the ring ropes. He comes back with a forearm in the back and another German release. Now Devlin tries his luck. He gets caught with a German <laughs> release as well. Oh no, German and he holds on. Oh! He just throws <laughs> Devlin onto the cover and somehow managing to kick out. Oh. Uh, <laughs> he was thrown. Now it's Coffee trying his luck with Mastiff with a flurry of huge uppercuts. And now Coffee. Oh, he can't, surely. Don't call me Shirley. But he's going to attempt it at least. No. Oh, trying to struggle him up. But Mastiff, with his attempt, Coffee with a backslide. Oh! And a power slam. Mastiff to the mat. But he manages to kick out. Oh. Close but low cigar there. And Banks back in with Coffee. And Coffee catches Banks. He's got him in a wheelbarrow and he's just spinning him around. Now he's got Devlin up on his shoulders and he just carries on spinning. <laughs> well, impressive strength there by Joe Coffey. Mastiff as well, then. He's <laughs> the strongest wrestler in the world. Just flicks Devlin off. Slams Banks, but only a two. Two. And Devlin still doesn't know where he is. And now Coffee catches him. And now he's got a butterfly swing on Devlin. Twist Banks, takes him down, goes for the cover, but only a two. Two. And Devlin's taking a lot of punishment in this match, and now it looks like Joe Coffey's in the ascendancy. Devlin managing to turn it around, send Coffey shoulder first into the ring post. And a double foot stomp there, and takes Coffey out. But Travis Banks came in with a kick. Irinagi standing moonsault for Devlin. Into the cover, but just a two. Two, and Devlin's so quick there, manager to reverse Banks. And I think this is the best idea for these two guys to try and beat the other one. Yeah, they're going to have no chance pinning either Coffee or Mastiff. <coughs> Devlin with the Irish rip now, back elbow. Devlin should have the headbutt as a finisher, but still, Mastiff in now. Uh, Mastiff straight out the other side. <laughs> but he climbs up onto the edge of the ring apron. Can out by Devlin, head first into the ring apron, and... Uh, Cramples to a heap on the floor. Now Devlin, Irish whip. Banks right in the corner. Sternum first into the corner as well. I think either Coffee or Mastiff would probably be the better matchup. Yeah, just because of kind of more brute force. And it'll be interesting if we see a different side of Walter now. Yeah, you know, because he's got the kind of group mentality behind him. But Devlin, who thinks he's in control, has got a little bit of problem. Oh, he's caught between a Coffee and a Mastiff, and that's not where you want to be. Who's going so well for Jordan Devlin? Oh, now Banks with a super kick, sending Devlin to the outside. Now it sees three men standing tall. Banks sends Coffee into Mastiff. But a pop-up uppercut drops Banks, who sends Coffee head first into the second turnbuckle. Oh, my God, Banks. Is that what he's looking for? But Mastiff. Springboarding off the second, Mastiff catches him straight into a German. Into the cover, but only a two. Two. And now he's looking to take advantage, but Devlin, to his credit, back in the ring as well. And he gets caught straight. By Mastiff, who hey! headbutts him. And there's Devlin's best move, and Mastiff will be out. Hey, he drops Mastiff to the mat. <laughs> and Dave Mastiff is busted open as well, or is that Devlin? I think Devlin busted himself open, headbutting Mastiff. Well, that's how dangerous that head is, but here comes Banks. Got blood dripping down a drop kick, sending Devlin out, and now Coffee there sending Banks across the ring. Oh, and Coffee and Banks are in the corner. Cannonball! Oh. Huge move. Goes for the cover. One, two. Oh. But Devlin with a moonsault takes out Mastiff. 
And what a match is this? All four guys putting it on the line here for a chance to be number one contender. That's right, it's not even full of championship. Now this is jumping to a match <laughs> with Walter, the man who slaps the absolute shit out of your chest. It is an unbelievable opportunity. All four men are down, and Devlin, surprisingly, is getting up to his feet first as he stomps on the head of Coffee, sends him out of the ring, turns his attentions to Mastiff. He's grabbed hold of his beard and he's slapping him. I don't think that's a good idea as Mastiff him up. Oh, my God. Comes down with a body weight. Oh, Travis Banks with kind of like a coup de grace onto the back of Mastiff. Devlin reverse, and now here comes Banks. Spanish fly. And I think Devlin's knee landed in the crutch of uh, Banks. But Mastiff Mast- picks up <laughs> Devlin. But Coffee's in. Cross body on Mastiff. And now Mastiff in all sorts of trouble. And Coffee going to come running in. Hits the turnbuckle. Devlin blocking his offence. Looking for the cutter over the ropes. But Coffee holds on. He's going to go for the lariat. No, Devlin with the foot up. But he gets caught on a second time round. To... Oh, <laughs> running sent on catches Jordan on his massive bonce. <laughs> and now Coffee's looking to take Mastiff out. And both of these guys go over the top rope to the outside. And Devlin doesn't know what's going on, trying to get up. And here comes Travis Banks. Kick to the face, picks him up. Kiwi crusher. One, two, two three. three. <laughs> And Travis Banks is celebrating now, but once he gets face-to-face with Walter... There's an offense, Travis Banks, fair play. Surprise, he won. Unfortunately, you won. He <laughs> got a face. Yeah. Well done, you've won, but unlucky you've won. Yeah. It's the poison chalice, and uh, Travis Banks, though, wins. And, and what a great match that was. That was an absolute brilliant match. Again, all four guys absolutely at the top of their game. All four of these men showed that they deserve to be in this match as well. Um, yeah, and probably my fourth pick out of the four <laughs> of the people that I think would win it. But yeah. that's, again, the good thing about NXT UK is that anyone can win it. It's, it's what we've seen, you know. What we've seen has been great so far. And like I said, any of these men. But it is, unbelievably, Travis Banks. And uh, what a great episode of NXT UK. But we have got one episode left. And... <laughs> Well, it's episode 47th, June 12th. Yes, and tonight is a huge show as we have British Strong Style versus Imperium, which should be the awesome match that everyone is expecting it to be. It's not exactly a secret that there should be something big happening at the end, but the question is, what? Well, hopefully they can live up to the hype, which which almost tends to be the case. So, James, let's get it on. Well, we open with a recap of the six-man tag, including the quick history on both teams. Tonight's the first showdown, and it feels big. Well, we get Quince and Zia Brookside and Isla Dawn versus Ginny and Jazzy Gaber is our first match. Well, Ginny and Dawn take turns working on the arm to start with. Dawn gets the better of it. Brookside comes in for an aggressive headlock and a dropkick to send Ginny into the corner, full of tag to Gaber. Well, Zia actually tries a sunset flip but gets powered down, allowing Ginny to come in for the stomps in the corner. A quick brawl across the ring lets Dawn come back in, but Gaber swats away the strikes. The Dominator plants Dawn, but Ginny demands the tag so she can get the pin at 4 minutes 16 seconds. This is a nothing match, but of course it went exactly as it should have. Gaber is the first monster the division has, and seeing having her under Ginny's control is a fine story. She destroyed Brookside and Dawn here, and that's all she needs to do. Not exactly a good match, but the right presentation, which is what matters more. 
We get a video on Nagero, which only ha who only had sight in one eye until he was eight years old, due to his eye not opening. It caused other kids to pick on him, so he decided to rest, so he wouldn't have to worry about how his face looked during his career. James, you should do a podcast under him. No, I'm not even going to go there because that is just bang out of order. The mask is his identity, and that's what people are going to remember. Short piece here, but a nice way to get behind someone like Nagero. Yeah, we're huge fans of Nagero. Kenny Williams says, no, Amdar can be annoying like Dan, but he still likes him. What Dar does doesn't affect him. It affects Week going against Cassius Ono. Well, you know, seeing that little video on Nagero and that, wouldn't that, wouldn't it be good like if they'd done these chronicles on people that are outside the WWE main roster? I mean, you know, I'd like to see a, a 24 series on, you know, someone like Kenny Williams or, you know, someone, yeah, someone along, along that know. site, you know, just not from the main roster. Yeah, cause... Even like a Pete Dunn, you know, I know. Oh, Pete Dunn's one would be awesome, but I was trying to the box. So someone like Fabian Eichner. Marcel Barthel would be a good one as well. Or, you know, someone like Only Lorkin. Yeah. But um, we go on to our next match, which is Joseph Connors versus Ia Dragunov. Well, as usual, Dragunov has an awesome entrance and looks insane. Lock up rather hard to start with. Connors' forearms to the back, annoying Dragunov. They strike to the face that sets up a neck crank with Dragunov making some rather strange noises at the same time. Back up and a jumping in skiri drops Connors, but he's able to duck a run across his head off into the ropes. Well, the chin lock goes on, but Dragunov powers out and stares Connors down. Setting up a knee to the face, a sunset bomb into the corner has Dragunov in some trouble, but he counters a slingshot into a Death Valley driver into the corner. The Torpedo Moscow finishes Connors at 4 minutes 49. Dragunov is one of those guys, you just can't take your eyes off him, and it's the kind of thing you can't create. It's a special kind of intensity, and that's going to carry him very far. If nothing else, it's always nice to see Connors getting destroyed and bludgeoned in various ways. Tony Storm has beaten all, all comers, and if Kaylee Ray wants some Tony time, come get it. Either way, the shiny, shiny stays at home. We get a video on Travis Banks, who talks about having such a strong work ethic. His time in NXT UK has been a mixed bag with great experiences, but his injury held him back. Jordan Devlin was a fall on his side, but when he defeated him once and for all, now he's the number one contender and it would be pretty cool to beat Walter for the United Kingdom title. I think it would be pretty cool for him to survive Walter. Well, the hunt wants Gallus. And up next it is the main event. It's British Strong Style versus Imperium. So here come Mustache Mountain and whoever finely groomed chaps. Of course, Trent Seven and Tyler Bate, the very first NXT UK champion. And they're here to go back to an old partner, British Strong Style, reunited. And he's a bruiserweight to the bitter end. And here he comes, wanting to reclaim what he's rightfully his. And I think he had Walter beaten, and that's why he got Walt, uh, Eichner and Bartho involved. And they're going to pay here tonight. Absolutely love this union of these three guys. I mean, they've kind of been like, you know, they've been friends throughout, you know, despite Pete Dunn being a miserable fucker and the other two being happy, happy, smiley. But it is, I think it is a brilliant team, these three guys. Without a doubt, you know, and it, the thing all of them have got in common, you know, is their love for uh, British wrestling, like I said, British strong style. And you might have a cheap, cheery chappies and Dunn might not crack a smile, but he will be happy once he gets back his title. Like I said, you have two people that you can trust more by side. And it elevates already uh, Barthel and Eitner for anything else they were doing to be involved with a storyline like this, you know, with British Strong Style. Oh, absolutely. Like, I think they could have taken any two wrestlers and, you know, made Imperium. <coughs> and, you know, I think uh, Barthel and Eitner are uh, the perfect two to join their combo. 
This should be a great match as we await Imperium. So in this match, we're going to have all three United Kingdom <laughs> champions that we have ever been. Well, that shows the heritage and the prestige of the championship as well. So they're going to have to go against these men. Well, there used to be just one silhouette. Now, there are three. And look at that. Imperium, Barthel, Walter, Eitner. And the fans still chart along with it, but moods have changed, opinions have changed of Walter. So we're going to play the Walter Chop Shot Game. Every time Walter delivers a chop, we're going to take a shot. Imperium, James, do you know what it means? No, what does it mean? It means absolute power. Wow, and at the moment, they hold the most prestigious championship, maybe in WWE with a UK title. And Pete Dunne holding on for 675 days. Must hurt him every time he sees Walter have that title around his waist. <coughs> And, and the could... ring general with his two corporals, I guess. Without a doubt. And this could be the first meeting of many between these two teams. Well, I mean, this could be a whole summer feud. We know we've got TakeOver coming up August 31st. You know, and like we say, right now, we're a couple of months away from it. And if this is what's got up till then, then just sit back and enjoy it. Well, the fans are firmly behind British Strong Style. And it's done. He started off there <laughs> on Eichner. And he just wants retribution. But Eichner comes out of the corner and just clotheslines Pete Dunne down to the mat. And now he's stomping away on him. Well, Eichner looking to impress now as well, of course, with Walter, you know, being part of the same group. Well, is this a resurgence for Eichner and Barthel? No, I mean, you know, they have been quite strong in the ring, but being associated with the UK champion, yeah. I think that must give them a, a boost. I think without a doubt, and I think you've got to look at as well, you know, you look at the most what's on the line in UK. Imperium's all about absolute power. Then the NXT Tag Team Champions in the Grizzled Young Vets might be looking over their shoulder now at Eichner and Barthel. And of course, I still feel Seven and Bait deserve a shot again after kind of what happened at TakeOver as well. But now it's Bait and Dunn in there. Oh, bending his wrist back and both stomping on an elbow each. But all six guys wearing black outfits today. No doubt. Traditional, all got trunks on apart from, of course, Pete Dunn. Barthel gets a tag in. Drop kicked down by Tyler Bate, who nips up, but he gets caught in the throat by Barthel. Now Barthel just getting in there, and I know he's German. I don't want to say similarities, but you know, you go back to watching that young Alex Wright and the very similarities, not in style, but just kind of in looks as well. Well, not not in looks in the trunks. No, no, no. He's not packing what he, you know, not Alex Wright did, but Blackburst. But a lot, a lot of uh, upside. To this young man who's just rubbing away at Bait. And Bait there, absolutely brilliant. The arm jug, but keeps control. Trent Seven gets the tag in. And James, you're a fan of Trent Seven, why is that? Because he's a husky guy, and it gives me a chance for a wrestler. I think you're far too old for that, no disrespect, but you're way over the, the mountain there. Yeah, thanks. I'm not offended whatsoever as Seven and Bait team up on Eichner. And Seven has suffered injuries over the time he is the kind of veteran. And Seven sent into the wrong part of town now. And it's Walter for the first time in the cruise. Trent Seven's uh, slightly backing away from Walter, but they both lock up. Oh, Walter looking for a chop. Seven ducks it, catches Walter with a chop of his own, but that has no effect whatsoever. As Walter looking for another chop, but Seven has a flurry of his own. A slap to Barthel, and Eitner comes in. Well, Seven... Fakes a slap but catch him with a DDT instead. Oh, take your first shot there. As Seven gets his chest caved in. As Walter just kind of grunches the neck of Seven. And a huge kick to the back. 
And Walter looking to take over for Imperial. A huge shot to the midsection. And the German, Austrian and Italian working together. I thought he was going to say a joke then. They walk into a bar. <laughs> Trying to take seven out. And now it's Eitner now just working seven over. And seven's not backing down. He keeps trying to come up. Just gets stopped by Eitner. Oh, plants with a side suplex. Into the cover. But only a two count. Two. And now and he's se- got to defend. Seven caught in all sorts of trouble. But responds with a chop to Walter. Oh, hits him with a second. Oh, my God. Gets caught in the side of the head with a boot from Walter. Well, bait gets taken off. But Dunn's still there. Just shows you how dangerous Walter is. If it means to hurt you or not. And seven all sorts of trouble. And now Walter's calling Trent Seven on, saying, come on, hit me. And they're having little to no effect. A spinning chop does. Looking for a ripcord lariat, but gets caught and planted with uh, Uranagi. Cover for Walter. But Walter's straight on the attack. These knee strikes to the back and then a kick to the back of the neck. Bartel gets a tag in. Oh, and a huge kick to the arm. You can hear the impact. I'm surprised they're not chanting one World Cup and two World Wars. <laughs> Nearly shattering the elbow. I think Trent Seven's desperate for a tag out of the ring. I mean, he's taken a lot of punishment. Uh, doubt and Imperium working like a well-oiled machine. But is that good for British Strongstyle? I mean, Seven, he can take a lot of punishment. Is he going to wear out Imperium's offence and then Pete Dunne and Tyler Bate can come in and literally clean house? Well, maybe that's the plan. They are two fresh men. On the apron, desperate to get in, and seven fighting off Eichner and Barthel. Not for long, though. caught with a spine buster, and just a knee to the jaw, into the cover. <laughs> Again, Pete Dunn ducking it as Tyler Bate gets taken out. Eichner's got a body scissors locked in with a headlock sleeper hold. And seven now rolling to a pin, so Eichner has to break the submission. And now jawbreaker gets some separation. Barthel gets launched over the top rope. But it's Eichner grabs a leg. Step up in Zaguri, sends him back towards Walter. And now Walter and Dunner are both in. Oh my god. Step up in Zaguri, Zaguri greets Walter. And then double foot stomp to the hands, a kick to the side of the head. And Pete Dunn's definitely pissed off. And Dunn is a man who's on fire, baby. As he goes off the second but goes down low to the knee of Walter. Irish whip blocked. Oh. And a chop to the back of the head, sleeper hold for Walter. And Dunn now's got hold of the ropes. But here comes Barthel breaking the grip. German from the Austrian, but Dunn lands on his feet. And moves that water out of the way. German suplex. But he runs into a big boot from Walter, who delivers a German of his own that turns Pete Dunn inside out. And what an exchange between the two men just then. And Dunn looking to get a tag into Bate, who's relatively fresh. Bate jumps the top rope, face to face with Barthel. Right now. Face to face with Eichner. Hezzes is t- to the corner. <laughs> Tyler Bate runs in. Huge uppercut. Irish hook reversed. Well, Bate definitely can pick up a head of steam and then beautifully there. Getting out of that from Eichner. Off the second rope. They're taking Eichner out. A Bate exploder suplex sending Barthel onto Eichner. And now he picks Eichner up. Airplane spin. <laughs> <laughs> Takes out Barthel with Eichner's feet. Sends Eichner over the top rope. Picks up Barthel. And now here comes Walter, who takes him off. Now <laughs> <laughs> bait and switch to Walter. That might be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. He can't, no. Oh. Oh. Eichner stops him, and now bait basically fighting off Imperium. Uppercut taking Walter out. Takes him out of the ring. Gets thrown. Caught with a step up in Seguri. 
Brain Buster Suplex. Oh my god, Barthel was legal, went for the cover and done, and Seven scrambled in to stop it. And now Imperium cleared the ring. Tyler Bate getting worked over by Barthel and Eichner, managing to fight him off thus far. Uh-oh, now he's in all sorts of trouble. Backstabber by Eichner. Double foot stomp by Barthel into the cover. Two. For Tyler Bate managing to kick out. Uh-huh. And now Eichner looking for the tag. And look at the double team, Tyler Bate. But Bate managing to fight out with a flurry of lefts and rights, but he gets slowed down and stopped in his tracks. Yeah! Hey! <laughs> now back of the neck bounce off the ropes. And the heel kick taking water out. Tags in Trent Seven. And Pete Dunn gets the tag in as well. Ripcord clothesline and then takes out Eichner. And now Bate tagged in and now it's done. Going to go for the better end. That's it. Here comes Bate. Oh, oh lovely corkscrew. One, two, oh. A Walter with a boot to the jaw of Tyler Bate breaking up the pin attempt. Oh, now it's done a Walter on the outside. And oh, Walter just slapped the <laughs> ring stairs. And you can see the red on the side of the ring steps where he hit it. <laughs> oh, and now the back of Dunn when it gets a barricade. Who's this coming down in a hoodie and a mask over his face? Well, the referee distracted by a figure and Matt's still going on. Seven's got Ike now. Oh, Seven pushed into the referee. He's down. Seven, Seven and Eichner both sent out the ring. And who's the mysterious man? And what side's he on? And he's looking at Tyler Bate. And the hood comes down. Alexander Wolf. Oh, my God. And he's got Bate. Set out powerbomb. Well, we haven't seen Alexander Wolf since he was part of Sanity. It's been a couple of months. And Marcel's smirking, Dan. No, James hasn't got a cigarette in his gob. He's got a smile on his face. Referee back here. And gets the free for Imperium. And oh my god, and shocked here in the crowd are. I am. I am. Alexander Wolf. And I don't know if Eichner and Barthel know what's going on. And Imperium have beaten British Strong Style. In shady circumstances. Oh, Alexander Wolf has traded one stable for another. Well, it looks that way. Walter might have been pulling the strings and just letting Eichner and Barthel know. That he's a part of the group. Oh my god. Alexander Wolf. And this group looks to be more dominant than ever before. And it's like the dark side as well. This is like the end of Empire Strikes Back. Imperium are in charge. Dan, what did you think of the match first and foremost? I thought it was an absolute brilliant match. Again, it's another match that I can watch week in, week out without getting bored of. And now throwing Alexander Wolf into it. Who are British Strong Style going to employ? To bolster their ranks. Well, it's shocking. Imperium seems to be in charge here on NXT UK. So how would Pete Dunne and the rest of the NXT roster respond to Imperium, Dan? We will find out next month. So we'll have to wait till next month, but it will be worth it. What have you thought of NXT UK this month? Um, I I think it's been absolutely great. The storylines that are coming on. um, we've, We've had 47 episodes in. Yeah, it is quite annoying that, you know, they're filmed in blocks of four, so you kind of get the updates a month in advance, but it still doesn't take anything away from the skill that's in the ring and, you know, how it all plays out as well, so the spoilers don't really bother me too much. No, I doubt. I, I think NXT UK this month has been better than anything WWE have done in a very long time. It's just I think it hitting the stride at the right time. I could watch hours and hours of British Strong Style versus Imperium. With Alexander Wolf, it has a kind of legitimacy to it as well because he's the main event kind of, uh, you know, Star was his, was main roster guy. 
And I love Pete Dunne, mate. And like you said, who's going to be the fourth guy? You know, are we going to see different teams trying to team up for improvement? Is this the end of Pete Dunne in the next UK? There's just so many questions. And that's when you know a wrestling product is good, when you've got more questions than answers coming out of it. It sets you up. And I cannot wait for TakeOver in Cardiff as well. Because if it's going to be Dunn versus Walter again or whatever they're going to do, it's, it's going to be fun. Going to be back. Well, they're, what, they're going to wait two months for Charles Banks oh, to face no, Walter. I, like, no. I, I, I don't know. You know it, we're so far away now. Um, but it's going to be here so soon. Uh, and that's it for today. But our next podcast is your choice. And the poll is now online. Which pay-per-view will we watch? So the poll is now online. Which pay-per-view will we watch? Will we watch what I want to watch? King of the Ring 1999, which will feature... A winner-take-all ladder match between Austin and the McMahons and Rock versus Undertaker. Or will we watch The Great American Bash, which will feature a load of shit? Exactly. And you decide. Please pick King Wing 1999. So that is it for today. Don't forget, you can follow us on Twitter. The poll's on Twitter. And we'll post it to other places as well. That's at WNetRootReview or... At Vince McDan, WWE. I'm at John Score Rollins across all the Google platforms. Send us an email to dubbinourpodcast at gmail.com. We're on Instagram with dubbinourpodcast as well. We're on Facebook. Yes, Facebook. Come and find our page and give us a like with a WWE Network Review podcast. And come and find me and add me as a friend. Subscribe to our YouTube channel, WWE Network Review Podcast, where the podcasts go up on YouTube, same time as your other places like SoundCloud. On your phone. We're on Spreaker Radio. We've got a live show, Stitch Radio, and iTunes. We can download, subscribe, rate, and review there. But that's not all, James. We also have a website that's under production. should be ready by the time of SummerSlam 2022. Uh, and you can find all links to our pages there. We've got Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube links there. And that is the WNRpodcast.com. Yeah, and that will be coming soon. And like I said, our next podcast is your choice. So choose wisely. But until then, I have been James Rowlands. And as always, always joined by... Dan White. Thanks for listening, everybody. And bye. Bye.